Welcome to Between the Gutters Podcast, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm Albert Lamb, your co-host for the night, and with me today is... I'm Drew Tan. Welcome all, and uh, we're glad to have you all here with us. Uh, today we're going to continue our series on evergreen stories for... Uh, beloved characters, and just a quick recap for those of you uh, who aren't quite familiar with the term evergreen, those are just timeless stories that we feel are either the best stories for for uh, certain characters or stories that, um, that basically, su- yeah. That represent Yeah, exactly, that represent everything they're about, that has something to say about uh, the core concept of the character. Um, last time around, mm-hmm. we did Batman, and today we are following it up with the Joker. So, yep, that's right. So, you gotta if you do Batman, you gotta have the Joker, right? You can't have one without the other. Exactly, go hand in hand. Because what is what is the greatest adversary to a bat? But a clown. <laughs> They're dying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Man. Look it up in your science books. <laughs> According to all the geographical, biological yeah. data out there, the natural yeah. predator of bats. If you look is at clowns. the food chain, it shows a bat at the top, but underneath it is a clown. <laughs> 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 it's just it's just a two. It's not even a food chain. It's a food link. It's just the two of them. <laughs> yeah, they're just continually battling it out for supremacy. So, in terms of the Joker, Drew, let's 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 start by let's let's try to deconstruct the Joker a little bit. I have a question, which is, mm-hmm. what is it about the Joker that any good? What does any good Joker story have to have about the Joker? What are some of the traits and qualities that you think make up who and what the Joker are about? I would say that the first two things that come to mind are are uh, comedy and violence. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, comedy and violence. I mean, he if if he's not at least trying to be funny, then it just it doesn't fully ring true to me. I mean, there's got to be some aspect of comedy, humor. Just, I mean, he's he's a clown, you know? You, you kind of have to have that element. I'm not saying it has to be highbrow humor or some kind of humor that is extremely clever, but the character himself needs to uh, give some sort of lip service to showmanship and... And uh, even though the people in his world and even we as readers may not share his exact sense of humor, we can understand when we read stories about him that he is trying to be funny or he's doing things that right, amuse right, right. him, you know? And, and what's, what's funnier than random acts of senseless violence? That's, you know what? You make a good point. Like when you think about something like Saturday morning cartoons and you think about you know, Wiley Coyote getting running off a cliff or having an anvil dropped on him or, you know, being hit in the head with a mallet. Yeah, um, yeah Tom, Tom and Jerry, Jerry, like, that was funny. 
That is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you bring up a really interesting point, like, about how the Joker has to have some element of showmanship. Like, it has to be part of his motivation, but the the thing that I found interesting about what you said was essentially that it has to be about humor, but it... And, you know, if I'm misquoting or misunderstanding what you're saying, uh, you know, feel free to say so, but the way I interpreted it was a Joker story has to have, you know, humor as his motivating, uh, as his motivation, but it doesn't necessarily have to be funny. (laughs) Right? Yeah, yeah. And what I mean by that is that I think for most regular people, you know, the audience, his random senseless acts of violence aren't funny like if if that if someone was doing the stuff he was doing in real life yeah i think that was funny unless you were like a a sick person or something you know but but in his mind in his insane mind it's funny to you know punch an old lady in the back of the head when she's trying to cross the street (laughs) (laughs) you're killing me Oh god! The, the equalizer's going to the charts, man. Dang, somebody's gonna be listening to this on on their headphones, and it's gonna just mess up their ears. I just imagined the Joker punching an old lady in the back of the head, and it uh, it got me, man. It got to me. Okay, okay. So, so apparently, you do see the humor. Well, I laugh at it because. Well, okay, I, I mean, I kind of want to branch this off into some another uh, question that I had for you, but, you know, I, I can laugh at it because, you know, it's not an actual old lady being punched in the back of the head. This is a... I, it's, we're just talking Hypothetically, it's not even theoretical, right? Hypothetically. We're, so yeah, you're, hypothetically. you're presenting me with a hypothetical scenario about people that don't exist. Okay, I can laugh at that, you know? But if I saw an actual... Yeah. Yeah, but if I saw an actual old lady being punched in the back of the head, yeah, I'd be mortified. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Good Thank you. I, I felt like I had to clarify that because you know. Yeah, I want people, yeah. you know, sending me emails about how I my grandmother happens to be an old lady, and I'll have you know that I will be watching out for her if you are ever in her vicinity. By Jove. <laughs> Oh, dearest me! <laughs> but the... So, the Joker's... The question that I was going to get to was... And this this might be veering off into... Uh, into a huge tangent, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless. But the Joker sure. is... Is one of the most... I, I'm... Okay, I'm... I'm going to say well-known instead of popular for now. Uh, He's one of the most well-known characters uh, to come out of comics. Um, You know, easily, if you mentioned him to a hundred people, I I have no doubt that the majority of them, even if they've never read comics, would know at least something about the Joker. You know? They could probably pick him out of a lineup if you drew a picture of the Joker and put him next to a bunch of pictures of other supervillains. They'd probably probably be able to figure yeah. out which one was. But the him. thing that I find interesting about the Joker in recent years is 
I feel like I feel like there is a segment of the population that has actually popularized him, and they yeah. I I'll even go as far as to say that they idolize what he represents. You know, yeah. uh, and and unironically yeah. too, they they're genuine and sincere in their adoration for, you know, this fictional madman. Right, right. It, it, I feel like they're those kind of fans of the Joker. They're they're not necessarily fans like we are, where we just appreciate the stories that the yeah. character is in. They actually, you know, find something uh, admirable about his qualities that. To them, he's actually yeah. you know cool. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, yeah. I I I think cool is an understatement because there there are there are a lot of weird. You know what? People exist on a spectrum. Let me say that first. But there, I will say that on on the very far end of that spectrum, there are people who look at him, and they uh. It's more than cool. I think they they feel like joke the Joker is the ultimate outcast who's reclaiming his outcast status and that's what they like about him. So I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean you 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 see that when you we definitely saw that when the Joker yeah. movie came out uh last year. Was yeah, that, that last was last year, 2019. Year. Yeah, it feels like yeah, so long yeah. ago, huh? But but that that movie, I think, really taps into the collective consciousness of what you're yeah. describing. No, and there were a lot of people that had a lot to... Uh, well, okay, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but there were people who had things to say about that movie, and they they took their love of it to just uncomfortable levels. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess yeah. I was gonna, what I was going to ask was, why do you think... Uh, why do you think he appeals or brings out those qualities in some of the most fanatic kinds of fans? But we kind of answered our own question just in the deconstructing of it. Yeah, I'd say uh, miscreants seek out other miscreants, man. Yeah, Game recognize yeah. game. Yeah, I mean, the unfortunate thing is that the people... There are people out there who I get it, who are, um, you know, they feel like outcasts in, so in society, but, you know, uh, the idea of looking to a fictional murderer as uh, an example of how to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how to stand out and uh, reclaim your status as an outsider because, you know, you feel uncomfortable uh in general society is i think that's a huge mistake quite honestly <laughs> it's it's yeah it's number one it's yeah. ridiculous secondly it's potentially yeah. dangerous yeah. thirdly it's just it's hard to like i'm just glad i don't really know yeah. people like yeah. that <laughs> you know like I, that's the kind of person i want yeah. nothing to do with um Actually, with, without diving too deep into the Joker movie, because, I mean, we're here yeah. to talk about comics, but the, the Joker movie is related to the yeah. topic at hand. Like, that, that movie, 
I, I actually did yeah. watch that one uh, f- maybe, I don't know, seven months ago, just like right before the pandemic really yeah. began, just because I wanted to see what it was all about. Uh, and I think even from the lens of the director um, who made the film, I, I don't remember his name or I, and I don't even know who the screenwriter was. But that movie seemed idolized. to cast it. Yeah, it, it it idolized the Joker in a way. It it cast the Joker as a sort of sympathetic figure, and I think if it had ended up being a movie where it felt like it showed that the Joker was not someone that you should idolize, like it spent so much of the movie showing him off as this uh, sad sack who was kind of like the only piece he really had was uh an imaginary relationship in in his mind and everything that happened to him in the real world it was just one bad thing after another until he had to take his revenge on the world basically you know and just cause whatever chaos he could cause but the i felt like the way that the movie presented that story it wasn't really a chastisement of that it felt like a celebration of somebody who was man enough to take his mm. life back. So I, I thought that like, and the reason why I think that movie has that message is because of the ending, like the ending, I don't think vilified the Joker at all. I think the ending actually celebrated him. I'm not sure if that was what the director intended. That's the takeaway that yeah. I got from it. Uh, and I will say like, that's, that's only one of the reasons why I don't like that movie. Um, if we were to do a deep dive to and discuss that movie in, in depth, um, there are other things I didn't like about it. But that was just one reason, one thing that I noticed about that movie. And I, I think because of that, I think that is why a lot of people actually kind of rallied to the Joker to the point where it became this kind of an incel rallying yeah. call right like didn't a lot of incels gravitate it was towards incels the and like-minded uh individuals um yeah uh so I, I i had a different take on it than you in that i i do get what you're saying uh that it feels too much like they did too they took too much of an effort to humanize the joker and make him seem like this uh like the quote here quote unquote hero of the story yeah it was the whole yeah. movie was a, a sob story you know like like you almost kind of have yeah. to feel sorry for him i i think okay i don't want to go into this too much because you know i do want to focus on on the the comics exactly comics baby. but i will say that uh for me i I actually did enjoy the movie, and I think the thing about it was, I I think I viewed it almost as a study in what it was about society that drew that 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 drew him to people like that. You know, it was I I guess on a macro level, just looking at everything that had gone on in politics up, up until a certain point, And this is me definitely just 
projecting and putting things, you know, putting, assigning uh, meaning to it uh, just on my own. But uh-huh. um, I don't know. Like, there's been a lot of talk in recent years of just how, you know, how people hate the elites and how, you know, there are people, there's a class of people that are just shouting out to be heard because, you know, popular society has right. been ignoring them this whole time. And, yeah, for me, this movie was just kind of looking at how do these people look at themselves? Why is it... Yeah, I, I looked at it and I was like, what is it about this movie that is... So, that is drawing this attention from these people that they look up to it like this. And, yeah, I... I, I I thought it was an interesting um, experience in in that regard, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see that man. Like, don't get me wrong. I I was, I think it was interesting uh, in this in that in viewing it that way too. Like that was something that I noticed about it, where it it definitely taps into a lot of the unrest, I, I guess. Know, yeah, the like the social unrest yeah. that's kind of prevalent in our society right now where you know the poor want to eat the rich because the rich have been getting fat off the poor for so long and that's kind of kind of the one of the underlying themes of of the story it's just you know the man has been ruling society for so long now it's time for the little person to take something back you know And, and i do think that the way that the movie was crafted like it, it was a well crafted movie. Like it, I didn't think it was a bad movie because <clears throat> it was poorly written or or acted or uh, directed or anything like that. I I just personally didn't like it, which isn't the same as saying that it's a terrible mm-hmm. movie or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I think there were some things in it that I didn't like in terms mm-hmm. of the story, and I think maybe we'll touch on those ideas as we discuss some of the comics that we'll be talking about. Yeah. But one thing that irked me about the story of the Joker movie was that it, it actually tried to tell an origin for the Joker. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not too into that concept. I, I think, I actually think that the movie would have worked better if it had just been, if it hadn't used the Joker at all. Like if the guy just, if the main character just went through all the same stuff, but he didn't, uh, I guess if it wasn't marketed as a Joker film and it didn't take place in Gotham City and they they didn't give those winks to the camera that this was yeah, a yeah. Batman movie and you know like if it was just the story of one man's descent into madness I think I would have appreciated appreciated mm-hmm. it a bit more but because they tried to tell a definitive Joker origin story to me it kind of lost before it right, began right. so it was hard for it to claw mm. out of that but that's because well i think some people have called me a comic book purist at times yeah. before in the past and i would actually disagree i'm not a comic book purist man i'm a comic book <laughs> elitist nice 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 well done <laughs> <laughs> you've got your gold club membership status <laughs> <laughs> When I read my comic books, I'm sitting in an upholstered seat with exactly. a monocle. 
and a pipe. Top hat in my bathrobe. <laughs> oh, jolly good show, jolly good show. Meh, meh, meh. <laughs> exactly. Bully, 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 bully. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it sounds like something someone like that would say. Well, okay, I. Again, like I, I do want to get to the comics, but I do have this other question, um, and uh, it, again, it's it's tied to the movie, but it, it's tied to the comics too. So, in the movie, they the way that they portrayed the Joker towards the end was that he was his actions so inspired the 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 dregs in the population that they they were basically going mad in the streets for him towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Um I wonder is that something that is a part of the Joker's core uh being in your in in your understanding of him? Like in, in the comics, as you know, the Joker does he have that level of charisma where he, where you would believe that he could incite all of the low lives and the dregs of the city to rally to him? Not yeah. to that degree, definitely not to that degree. I would say that of course there are going to be some uh, misanthropes or psychopaths or sociopaths yeah. or whatever you call them. There's, there are going to be some of those that will follow him and and look up to him as a hero, but those people were probably uh, mentally ill or going to be criminals yeah. anyway. Whereas in the movie, it, it just seemed like average person, average people were looking up to him like they were so stirred by what he did. They viewed him as a kind of hero mm -hmm. or a martyr, just somebody that they looked up to, which. It's kind of uh it's a pretty grim interpretation of humanity yeah. actually. Well that's that was another thing that I did kind of walk. Maybe that's a testament to like how I view people, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> you're ready to accept the worst of humanity, <laughs> Albert. <laughs> I mean though I I just between us, you know, like I I do spend a lot of the time watching the news, and it's it's hard sometimes not to not to feel like um, people are kind of gross, you know. Like I don't get me wrong, I'm not like some sort of recluse, and I I believe in trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, and you know, I'm I'm even a bleeding heart on on. I think on the surface, uh, at least as far, I, I think as far, <laughs> I think I think people who 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 know me or who uh, interact with me would say would would say that I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I can only assume, but uh, yeah, uh, but that that was something that that I did find kind of interesting this idea that there was a period in time where if the joker had done all the things that he had done in that movie he would have just been a villain most you know most vile right and he would have been detested by society and i it says something 
I don't know. It's weird. It's this weird meta commentary now where, you know, uh, the movie uplifts him as this hero, and then what ends up happening in the real world is like gross people look to it like he's a hero, which just yeah has this weird snowball effect of just kind of proving the movie right on some level, right? You know? That's true. Yeah, that. That in that is a fascinating See? subject. That's... Actually, I think I think that's more fascinating to me than yeah. the actual movie. Thinking about the movie, uh, how the movie impacts the viewer. I think that's something yeah. very interesting. I mean, yeah, I think that package was what was interesting to me as a whole. Right? It's it's like a really yeah. weird social meta social commentary slash experiment. <laughs> unintended experiment but it's 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 yeah but to be fair it's not like there were a ton of people who were cheering the joker on or anything like that like i forget did you i watched it in in a theater theater? um did people i don't think anyone cheered and i will say that like the people that i do see who were like on board with the Joker, those were people on the internet, and the internet is always like the worst place to look for anything. So, so, oh, yeah. so I don't, yeah. I don't look to like the examples that I saw of people who were like, you know, looking at the Joker as some sort of hero that stood up for them. Like I don't look at those guys as the average person, but it did strike me that they existed at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah, that is um, true. Just, I have a yeah, question sure, for you shoot. now. Actually, if we can move on, but it, my question is, what what do you think the Joker is in relation to Batman? Like, do you think that you can tell? Is it possible to tell a good Joker story without the Batman, or do you have to have the Batman as some kind of element within the Joker story because the Joker movie didn't really have Batman at all. I mean, there was some lip service to the Waynes, but I don't really consider that Batman mm-hmm. in his world, you know? Huh. That's, I feel like you've got me trapped on in, in, in a weird way here. Cause, uh, instinctively, I want to say you can't really tell, a Joker story without the Batman because uh, at the core of what the Joker is, he's he's a guy who's so obsessed with the Batman that every uh, scheme, every plot, that and every crime that he commits is on some level. He's not doing it, uh, you know, for for money or anything like. We, we mentioned that he does it for fame and notoriety, but there's always an element of him leaving enough clues to to, to essentially poke Batman in the eye. <laughs> he wants yeah, Batman to yeah, lose him. Yeah, right? But then, as I mentioned earlier, I did actually... Yeah, I, I found the... I, I enjoyed... Well, I don't know if enjoyed... The Joker movie is the, the right word, but I appreciated, appreciated it, it enough because of all of the external factors involved in 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 what was going on, right? So, um, yeah, 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 that's you've got me in a weird like a uh, Gordian knot here, Drew. 
<laughs> I don't know how to solve this puzzle. <laughs> All of a sudden, you've been forced to confront the fact that you don't have consistency among yeah, in your yeah. boost. I'm I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to cry in the shower after this. Uh, that's I'm just gonna <laughs> that's how I'm gonna have to deal with it. You know what? It's okay. As long as I can acknowledge that there's an inconsistency, then at least I can acknowledge it. Yeah, there you go. No more crying <laughs> in the shower tonight. <laughs> Alright, do you have anything else or any thoughts that you have on uh, on what what makes the Joker the Joker? Or any um... questions? Well, I think what was the first question that you asked me earlier? You, you asked me like, what are the, how would I describe the Joker or something essentially to that effect, or like, what are the main qualities or traits that the Joker needs to have? So I, I just want to see if if you had any thoughts on that yourself. Uh, I think what you I think what you said pretty much hit it on the mark, which was and the funny thing was I I hadn't even contemplated that until you articulated it but you're right like the joke comedy and well violence. i mean stripped down to its purest essence that's comedy and violence but uh, i think what struck me the most was the idea that he is someone who he he's someone who views the act of crime as an art form almost you know and I mentioned earlier, he's not doing this to get rich. He's not doing this for, um, you know, so that he can go live the good life or anything. He's doing this for <laughs> attention, you know? And yeah. and the idea that struck me that I was going to say was that it, even though his motivation is comedy, that does not necessarily mean that it in and it of itself has to be funny. Or is funny, mm -hmm. which is a heck of a thought to mm -hmm. to juggle. Now, now that you've put me in the position to realize that, but I, I think that absolutely hits the idea of the Joker on the head or uh, on the mark. Um, mm -hmm. We uh, we were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast, but <clears throat> um, it's the idea that. What is it? So I, I I'll I'll present it to you first. Uh, but I asked you earlier, like, what is it about the Joker that makes it so that he is who he is to the Batman? Like, why 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 is he the character that people recognize so much? And why isn't it you know when people think of Batman that the synonymous thing that they think of is Oh, Two Face or the Penguin or you know Maxi Zeus, <laughs> <laughs> or those three guys. That yeah, I don't even know what they're called. <laughs> they're not... <laughs> uh, uh, Fu Manchu. What's the Eggman? Fu Manchu. How <laughs> come I don't think of those guys? When... Are you thinking of... are, are you thinking oh yeah, Egg Fu. How come I don't think of Egg Fu when I think of Batman? <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's that's easy, man. That's because that's a Wonder Woman villain. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> when you think of Wonder Woman, you think of Egg no. Blue. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Do you think of Egg Blue? <laughs> no. I. Today is the first time I've thought about Egg Fu in a really long time. <laughs> I, it might be decades for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you couldn't even get his name right. <laughs> well, I think the reason why the Joker stands head and shoulders above all of the other Batman rogues gallery is because... People generally gravitate towards the character who is diametrically opposed to the hero. And when we think about what Batman represents, I've heard a lot of times that people say Batman represents order. He represents some form of order and authority. Um, I guess you could even make an argument for authoritarianism. Wow. <laughs> wow. <He> represents... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that took a hard right. <laughs> it, it did, man. But but people, people who uh, like to deconstruct superhero comics, man, a lot of times they like to say that superheroes are authoritarian. They're the ones that are, you know, being tough on crime and they're not... Like, as much as uh, people want superheroes to be, uh, you know, socially responsible, at the end of the day, Batman, he pours his money into building more Batmobiles and he has a battering budget. You know, he's not using his wealth and donating it all to the poor and, and building tons of orphanages <laughs> or whatever. Well, he's right? not building orphanages because <laughs> where else is he going to get more Robins? Exactly. <laughs> I need to keep the street because I need an army of child soldiers to use at my disposal. <laughs> yeah. He he has a bunch of orphanages all across the world, so whenever one of his robins dies, his he training just gets a camps. new one. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you haven't you seen those things on Twitter or on the internet where people are are I don't know, sometimes it, it just, it's weird, like, there's, it, 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 I don't know if it really trends too highly, but sometimes people start tweeting uh, on social media about how if Batman were a real hero, he would use his money for, uh, I don't know, just social causes, you know, like, he would be donating his money to charities, like, why is he wasting time punching bad guys that doesn't really change the world, he could change the world with his money. And people are, you know, ripping him for that. But but to me, at the end of the day, like, number one, it's it's a comic book about a superhero who dresses up like a bat so he can punch bad guys in the face. And if you don't like that, then just yeah. don't read it, you know? Like, that's kind of, that's kind of a simple You're kind uh, of missing the point of comic books if that's and, the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There there are... That's... that's the, the story of... A wealthy yeah. philanthropist who dedicates his life to saving the world by donating all his money. That's yeah. a different story from Batman. So I find it a little bit 
odd, even a little unfair to take Batman to task yeah. for not doing that. Because even if you do look at, if you do read his stories, it's not like he never uses yeah. his money to... Well, I was going to say, down. like, I think he can do both. Like, like... Yeah, exactly. I, he I can do both. I don't think that the idea of him exclusively just doing that, like, that wouldn't be much of a story. Like, it, it'd be a different story, and there's even a potential yeah. that that could be an interesting story, but it wouldn't be, um, yeah, it wouldn't be Batman, you know? Like, it'd be, like, Batman's accountant. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, exactly. The, the Adventures yeah. of Lucius Fox. You know? So, uh, yeah. But... It's it's one of those things where if if you take Batman uh, that seriously, it's it's kind of hard to enjoy any Batman yeah. at all because if that's all you're looking for, then you probably won't find it. So I I, I do agree with you that I think he it's best to just take the take the point of view that he does do both. Um, you know, there's no reason why. He can't be doing all sorts of charitable yeah. stuff off panel, which is often alluded to anyway. But it's, it's just that the stories themselves don't yeah. follow that trail. Like of how many times in a Batman That's comic all. have you seen him go to the bathroom? Yeah, like exactly. It yeah, doesn't mean exactly. he never goes pee. It doesn't mean he never goes poo. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he goes at least. Yeah, once rumor a day, has man. it that uh, his all his he's trained his body so like rigorously that all his poos come out in the shape of bats <laughs> it's his uh all-purpose bat poo <laughs> yeah anyway i think we got started on this tangent because uh we were talking about what makes the joker a lasting villain and it's obviously because when the joker goes poo his his poo looks like smiley faces <laughs> Uh, that's, uh... No, but what I was getting at earlier is that Batman is the embodiment of order in in some sense, right? He's, he's the guy that's imposing yeah. order into society, whereas with the Joker, he imposes yeah. a form of chaos, because what's more chaotic than comedy yeah. and violence rolled into one? So, like I was saying earlier, um, I think the audience, people in general tend to gravitate towards the villains that are the diametric yeah. opposite of the hero. And with the Joker, it's very easy to see that he is the opposite of Batman. He's not the opposite in the sense that he's the opposite animal of Batman or whatever, or he's he doesn't wear the opposite um, costume or something. He's the opposite because of yeah, what he yeah, embodies. Yeah. And, and order and chaos are two primal... Fundamental it's one of the most that I think basic fundamental story conflicts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas if you take someone like Two-Face, who's another one of Batman's yeah. top-tier villains, Two-Face doesn't necessarily represent the diametric opposite of Batman. He kind of represents uh, like what Batman could yeah. have become, you know? Like like the, someone who, who was on the side of the law and ended up becoming uh, yeah. scarred by it in in the, to the point where he is working to bring down society yeah. essentially you know by committing yeah. crimes and you know there's 
there's also a case to be made that he's someone who who required so much order in his life that it broke him. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Exactly. He might have needed he needed so much order that he can't make a, a choice on his own yeah, without flipping exactly. a coin. So, um yeah, I I uh I was prompting you with that so that you could talk about how uh you know, the Joker is essentially the embodiment of chaos and I do think that uh that randomness and that uh, yeah. No, there's no better word for it. But that chaos is is something that should be present. Yeah, it's, it's central, central to his character, character. exactly. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. I do think. I don't know. I I do think there might be some experimental stories out there that might be just so chaotic to read that. Perhaps an execution, you could say that, you know, this is who this this is a representation of the Joker, even though it might be so abstract that reading it, you'd just be like, I'm not entirely sure what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be an interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah but it'd be possible. an interesting uh, experiment. Um. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh, did you have anything else? No, I think uh, I'm ready to talk about the actual comics. All right, let us go then. I think we got to start this with the is... big one, man. When we did our uh, Batman episode last time, uh, I think people might be thinking, hey, there's certain things that they left out. They didn't mention uh, yeah. the killing joke. Well, that's because we were that's saving true. it for tonight. Um, I th- so, uh, just a brief synopsis. Uh, the Killing Joke was written by Alan Moore, drawn by Brian Boland. It's a, it's a, it's a story about how Batman decides to go and have a conversation with the Joker. He, they've been fighting it out for years at this point, and they're in this, to him, the what seems to be this endless cycle of uh, violence and retribution between the two. And he wants to try to break that cycle. He wants to have like one conversation with the Joker uh, to try to see if he can uh, avoid that, the the ultimate, uh, to avoid what, what ultimately is going to happen if they continue down this path. But then what ends up happening is uh, when he, goes to Arkham Asylum to speak with the Joker, he realizes that the Joker has escaped and the Joker um, goes out into the world and he's decided this time around that he wants to commit a, a crime that is so severe and so heinous that it's going to, it's going to be a statement his statement to the world about himself, essentially, which is that, mm-hmm. you know, anyone can be, you, you all look at me like I'm crazy, but the truth is anyone can be as crazy as me because all it takes is one bad day. Yeah. And over the yeah. course of the story, um, you get some version of what 
could or what might or might not be his origin so that as you're watching the Joker commit these horrible crimes, uh, you're also watching uh, flashback scenes of his of what might be his life. Uh, bef- He's a very unreliable narrator, so you can't necessarily believe or take everything he says right, at right, face right. value. So you see flashbacks of his life, what what may be his life before he was the Joker, and what how it could have led to him being the Joker. But like like Drew said, he's uh, he's an unreliable narrator. He's a madman, you know. So um, yeah, exactly. I don't want to keep going back to movies, but it's kind of like uh, the the thing that jumps out at me, or that uh, that that always I felt rang true, or was uh, in the Dark Knight, where the Joker in that movie, played by Heath Ledger, he's constant. There there are like two or three scenes in the movie where he talks about how where he's asking people, "Do you know how I got these smiles?" And every time it's a different story. Yeah, do you know how I got these scars? And every time it's a different story. And I think that kind of sums up, like, the idea that he's a twisted individual, so it's hard to take him on face value because... Yeah, I think there's even a line in The Killing Joke somewhere where he mentions that if he had a backstory, he'd want it to be multiple choice or something to that effect. I can't remember the exact No, I, I think I remember that scene too. That was when Jim Gordon... Well, he kidnaps Jim Gordon and he like tortures him, and uh, yeah, he yeah, wants he wants to drive him, him mad. mad to show Batman that even this noble police officer can be driven to the brink of madness. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but I do think uh, this is a story that, yeah, for for me, for a lot of people, is is kind of the quintessential joker story because it just talks it's it shows just the degree of his madness i guess <laughs> yeah um, yeah he's he is wiling out in this comic i mean one of the things that the killing joke is famous for is that it's the story where barbara gordon Batgirl gets crippled because the Joker yeah. shoots her in the spine. Yeah. I so it's a it's a very uh, grim yeah. thing to happen. Um, and for many years in the comics afterwards, she was confined to a wheelchair. She couldn't yeah. be Batgirl anymore. So it had an impact. Yeah, it's um, it's a story that I I I want to say shaped a lot of the Joker like after it came out. Because yeah, a lot of people did. took elements of that story and applied it to uh, the Joker moving forward in comics and even movies. Because I remember the 1989, uh, that first Batman movie with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton. Jack Nicholson. Like, I don't, I don't know if uh, it was super influenced by uh, the Killing Joke, but there was a lot of stuff like imagery wise that was taken from it uh, that they uh, used. I think Brian Boland might've even done some promotional art for it from what I remember, but 
I, this I is I might be remembering it wrong, so don't quote me on it. But um, yeah. So uh, the Killing Joke. One one of the things that it uh, brought to the forefront was, I think this was one of the cruelest jokers we've ever seen like up to this point like yeah the joker was he was known to be a homicidal maniac in the comics but i think the way that the the level of violence that was portrayed in this comic he was it was a step above what we'd been seeing before because this was a prestige format original graphic novel like a you know the square bound 48 page comic that that wasn't just one of the typical things that you'd see on the newsstand yeah. at the time. Uh, this was geared towards a more uh, mature, older reader, right. I think. And you can tell by the content because there is there is a lot more disturbing violence and the complexity of the story being told is a little bit higher than what you would normally expect, which is understandable yeah, because it's yeah, Alan yeah. Moore. Right. Like it, I think I would actually say for me personally, the killing joke is not very high in terms of the Alan Moore comics I've read. And I've read most of his stuff. Um, It's, it's not very high in his bibliography for me. Like he's written so many things that are much better than this comic, but I will say that this is still probably one of the best Batman mm. comics. Mm. Um, it's also one of the definitive Joker yeah. comics, but for the most part, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put this on the same level as his Swamp Thing or or uh, his Miracle Man or, right. or anything like that. Um, yeah, I, I, I did want to say, mention that one of the things that always struck me about about the story was um, that first part that I mentioned where where Batman goes and tries to have a heart-to-heart with the Joker. Like, it... Yeah, that, that was something that always, um, I, I guess, resonated with me is the word just in... Because up to this point, I think the typical Batman-Joker story is, you know, Joker commits a crime, Batman goes over, beats him up, End of story. Until the next time where he does it again, right? And um, so, you know, we mentioned earlier this was Alan Moore writing it. So this, I, so to start off on this foot where like Batman shows up and you know wants to sit, have a sit down with the Joker and says, "Look, if we keep doing this, we're going to kill each other. So let's see if we can just finally talk this out before." It ends that way. Like, that was fascinating. Yeah, that, that's not something that you would expect no, from Batman, no. is it? That's not something I would expect <laughs> from any superhero. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I don't think I've seen anything like it since, honestly. Um, yeah, I can't think. Nothing comes to mind at yeah. the moment. I'm sure somebody's tried yeah. to imitate it, but yeah, I can't like, remember. Like, I can't think of, you know, Captain America and the Red Skull, like... You know, having a sit down where the cap where Cap goes. Look, uh, we've been fighting each other for decades now, and I don't want to die 
by your hand, and I would like to think that you wouldn't want to die by my hand, so let's see if we can, you know, find some common ground here. <laughs> let's uh, let's coexist with the Nazi, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. But um, what I was getting at with, with the killing Joker, and I do think it ties into the Joker is just... I do feel like it's a story that highlights just the, I don't know, the the cyclical nature of their relationship, <laughs> you know? You know? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And it also goes to show, I mean, it, as, far, as dark of a story as it is in some ways, when I, I do think that there is ultimately kind of a sense of hopefulness really? to it. Because... Huh. Yeah, because cause the Joker's plan is to show that one bad day can drive a man mad. And he, he does everything to James Gordon. He he shoots his daughter in front of yeah. him and molests her and takes pictures of it. He he uh, strips James Gordon naked and, and like, drags him through a torture chamber right, right, and amusement right. park. He, and, like, through all that, James Gordon is still an unbroken man. Yeah. He still has his senses about him. And he wants, when, when Batman finally rescues him he tells batman we have to show him that yeah. our way works you know we have to show him that he can't drive us mad like that that we're not do it by the book. like him that there is yeah yeah exactly yeah, you're right exactly. you're right i i did forget about that um yeah you're right there is that that bit of hopefulness in it you're it, it's it's just one of those things where i think the the story overall is so grim yeah. and so dark that it's easy to, yeah. to overlook it, um, and I'm not even sure if if more intended that to be some kind of hopeful thing. If if I were to guess, I would have, I probably would just guess that Alan Moore wanted to to write something that uh, really spoke to how dark the mm-hmm. Joker could be. I mean, I, I don't actually know what he's ever said about this comic. Um, there was also a another funny interpretation. I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah. Grant Morrison, I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah. 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 He, he says that the ending, it's Batman the, it's the, the final Joker. Batman Joker story. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's how Grant Morrison interpreted the story. And I, I always thought his interpretation was pretty funny. I don't, yeah. I don't buy it. And I'm pretty sure. Actually, I think Alan Moore said that Grant Morrison's interpretation yeah. was wrong. But I always thought that was a pretty funny interpretation because when you look at the last yeah. couple panels, when when Batman and the Joker are, they have that conversation in the rain and, and they start laughing and Batman has his arms on the Joker's shoulders. But if you if you imagined it, you could probably imagine that he his arms are like creeping up on the Joker's <laughs> neck and he's choking him to death. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the the I guess I thought it was a... I, it was hard for me to, to see the ray of hope just because I always think of that last scene between the two of them. So Batman finally catches up with uh, the Joker and he decides that, okay, I have you dead to rights now. Now we're going to have the conversation that I originally wanted to have with you um, at the beginning of this entire ordeal. So, he, you know, he like, puts his heart out there on a platter and he tells the Joker everything and he says what 
you know, he tries to level with the Joker, and the Joker, he, like, he, he's, he, re, he replies with a story where, or a joke, rather, where he talks to Batman, and he says, he tells him a joke about how there are these two uh, patients in an insane asylum, and one night they try to escape mm-hmm. uh, the asylum, so uh, they're looking at this ledge, and they don't know how to get across, and the one guy says, uh, the one in patient says, okay, I'm going to turn on this flashlight and shine a ray of light across to the other side. And you walk over and then, you know, you turn it, turn, when you get to the other side, you turn on your flashlight and, uh, shine a ray, ray of light back and I'll cross over. And the other, uh, patient looks at him and goes, are you nuts? You'll probably turn the light off when, once I get halfway there. You know, the implication being that they're both just madmen and <laughs> there is yeah. saving either of them. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. That's true. That's yeah, that's a good so. point too. Like it, it's 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 definitely a story that, that lends itself to you know, various interpretations. That there's yeah. there's depth to it. Oh actually you know what? I'm holding my uh, copy of the yeah. deluxe edition right now and on the cover there's a little uh, blurb, man. There's a little blurb from Tim Burton, the director of the 1989 Batman. And he says, I love the killing joke. It's my favorite. It's the first comic I've ever loved. <laughs> so there you go, man. It, it, was, a, it was a direct there we influence go. on the Jack Nicholson There we Batman. have it. All right. It's funny that uh, he was probably if this was the first comic he ever loved, he was already pretty old by the time he read it. He didn't he didn't really grow up reading. He didn't comics, love any other comics up until that point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a shame. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I guess we can maybe make an argument that if all he had was like the Golden Age, Silver Age stuff, that might have maybe okay he could there yeah right i mean there's a chance what if he read a bunch of those golden age silver silver age batmans and he didn't like well he didn't love them (laughs) true that is yeah when you boil it down to semantics (laughs) anything's possible (laughs) there we go there we go Yep, so that's the killing joke, everybody. Um, you know, one of the most famous uh, Batman stories ever. For sure. Pretty sure uh, everyone's heard of it, but if Check you haven't it out. read it, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. worth checking out. It's a done... And and uh, I'm sure it's available uh, on Comixology or whatever digital yeah. platforms you use. Or you can um, buy the hardcover. They're readily you, available. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the hardcover is... It's got a couple other uh, Brian Bolin Batman stories, and he's an awesome artist. We didn't really talk too much yeah. about the artwork, but I think his he, nowadays he's known for just being a cover artist. This is one of the very few forays he's had into doing yeah. interior uh, comics work. He's a yeah. Other than this, I I can only think of some Judge Dredd he did and another uh, '80s DC series called Camelot Three Thousand. He's a and a couple of short stories here. His and there. art style's pretty, like I describe it as very realistic, but almost to the point 
of the Uncanny Valley. <laughs> yeah, especially when he draws uh, facial expressions and, and lines on people's faces. It's, it's almost, like, disturbingly yeah, detailed. Yeah. Like, there are covers where he'll have the Joker smiling, and it is, uh, like... His, the way that he draws all the teeth are so perfectly square that it's it makes you cringe a little. <laughs> yeah, the pe- the people have these; they just have a lot of texture on them, and and I'm it's not it's oh, definitely no, no. not bad because I he's think an he's excellent a really artist. great artist. It's it's just yeah, it's just a little um, that's unsettling. A, that's the perfect word for it. And yeah, yeah. And I, I think that I think that's intentional, especially in a comic like as dark as this one. Um, that's yeah. got to be intentional. And uh, yeah, if this is your uh, gateway drug into the world of Alan Moore, you know everybody's got to start reading his work somewhere. So once you read some uh, Alan Moore, everything else kind of just pales in comparison. It's, it's he's a master. So if you if you enjoy the Killing Joke, you got to check out Alan Moore's other comics because he's written a lot more comics that are even better than this totally I, I there's there aren't uh i feel like you could start in a lot of bun- uh, places and you wouldn't be wrong you know like alan moore is yep almost a 10 for 10 almost every time hmm. yep you ready to tackle the next one yeah what's next, next? up we have the Dark Knight Returns, book three. So, yep. Last time in our last episode, we talked about the Dark Knight Returns, um, and issue three of of Dark Knight Returns in particular. That's the specific story that we would highlight for the Joker. Uh, I guess that would be the actual last battle between <laughs> Batman and the Joker, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean the 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 story is essentially uh, we mentioned. Oh, so we mentioned in uh, the last uh, podcast on Batman that this is a story that takes place in an alternate future where you know you have an older Batman who decides to who who's been retired and he gets back into he decides to get back to being Batman years after. He's quit, and uh, one of the unintended consequences of this action is the Joker, who's been sitting in a mental asylum this whole time, reawakens from this catatonic state because the thing that yeah, essentially his the reason his reason for living is back exactly like he he was driven by this cat and mouse game between. Uh, himself and Batman, and when the Batman suddenly disappeared off the face of the Earth, he just lost the will to live. <laughs> and uh, issue three is the culmination of that battle. So, you know, when Batman comes back, Joker comes back, and you know he's got this. He he first uses um, the insane asylum that he's in. He. He, he tries to make it look like he's been rehabilitated and he goes on a talk show to this on this talk show circuit to talk about like you know all the progress he's made but he ends up just killing everyone in the studio and 
he just yeah. goes out into the world and he decides that he wants to just cause more mayhem and you know batman decides to confront him and they have their final battle in a uh what, what what's that ride called the uh the tunnel of love. Tunnel there we of go. Love or they, right? they have a final battle in the tunnel of love, and it is a heck of a battle <laughs> between the two of them. <laughs> it's it's a funny piece of symbolism there, Joker and Batman in the tunnel <laughs> of love. You know, like it, it couldn't be more on the nose, but but it, it's enjoyable, man. It it works. Yeah. It works for them. Um, it's what do you, do you have any thoughts on like what? why this would be uh, an evergreen like joker story or th in this particular case what makes it ever an evergreen joker story i think one thing that definitely makes it an easy choice is because it's an evergreen batman story and the joker specifically in issue three is a big part of that yeah. story so it it's kind of a uh a stamp on their relationship with one another you know like the yeah Joker, yeah his his reason for living is the batman and, and it, it's yeah. weird to think about it like that it there's there's just like typically we don't really um picture relationships between heroes and villains like that like enemies who hate each other um like why, why would they you know why is one the reason for the others being it's, yeah it's kind of weird kind of actually reminds me of that scene in uh the heath ledger movie where he didn't he says something like you complete me or yeah. something like that wasn't that a line i, in that I movie? think so he was uh i don't remember it fully well but i i yeah uh i i vaguely remember something like that happening yeah, it it just goes to this idea that Batman and the Joker, they are uh, diametrical yeah. opposites, but it, it's kind of like having um, the positive end of a battery and yeah. the negative end. You, you need to have yeah. both, and when you have one, the other one will surely yeah. be there. So for, for Frank Miller um, to tell their final story together um in the midst of an even bigger story mm -hmm. that he's telling there's something not only special about it but it's, there's also something spectacular about it like it it is out of all the battles that they've ever had in comics that's one of the ones i would consider a it's spectacle a, of a it's battle. a savage fight <clears throat> um yeah yeah and the way that it ends it you don't feel robbed because the way it ends it it gives both characters a lot of respect like you know they're they're not the joker you can look at him as just some at this point he's like a 60 year old man himself and he he was never known as a as a fighter or a um martial artist or or even a sharpshooter yeah, he's or whatever. not but somehow he's always able to keep up with batman just yeah. out of sheer madness <laughs> <laughs> Just a lesson for all y'all who are listening. Never pick a fight with the crazy guy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting to me because this... Even though this is... We're calling it an evergreen Joker story. Um, it's interesting because 
it's not a story that necessarily says anything about the Joker himself, but what it does say is have to say is the statement that it makes is about the nature of the Joker and Batman's relationship and just how much they they hate each other, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And, I, go ahead. And that no, and that's ahead, just a huge part of who the Joker is. That's that's a huge part of what his makeup is. That yeah, that's all I was gonna say. Go what were we gonna say? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I was I was gonna say that there was a yeah, I guess if we're moving on uh to or kind of transitioning <laughs> to the next thing, I, I was gonna bring up a little story by uh Brian Azzarello yeah. and Lee Bermejo. They they did they did a two page uh, strip. Uh, it was it was one of those uh, giant. There was a giant size issue of something, and you know they had a the, the comic had a bunch of uh, other creators doing a sh- little short stories, and Bermejo and Azarello did a strip about Joker and Lex Luthor that was done in the vein of Calvin and Hobbes. Do you remember uh, that one? I remember seeing it. I don't remember the details of it too much though, but. Well, I mean, the main thing I remember was, oh, they're done in Calvin and Hobbes. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me uh, let me summarize it because because uh, I think it actually does give some pretty accurate insight into the mind of the Joker. So these cartoonish versions of Lex and Joker are talking, and they're talking about what they would do uh, to to defeat their greatest enemy, right? And Lex Luthor is like, check this out. I've developed a, a new invention. I got a kryptonite ray gun. So I'm going to kidnap Lois Lane. When Superman shows up, I'm going to blast him with it. I win. You know, like I'm going to kill him with this kryptonite ray gun. And then Joker's like, man, that's not winning. Everybody loves him. So what you have to do is make him hate himself. <laughs> Turn him into his own worst nightmare. And then, in front of the eyes of his adoring public, you make him do the one thing he absolutely can't. You make him kill Dang. you. That is... Uh... <laughs> and then... Yeah. <laughs> you, right? And then Lex Luthor, he's just taken aback by all this, and he, he looks at... You know, he, he does one of those things where he breaks the fourth wall and he just yeah. looks at the reader. And then Joker says, Don't you get it? Everybody loses... Now that's winning, <laughs> and that that perfectly summarizes the Joker to me. He he has a joke that only he gets. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Lex Luthor yeah. doesn't get that man. He yeah. doesn't get that joke. Nice, nice. So let's let's talk a bit about the the next comic on our list. We have. The Joker graphic novel by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. It, 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 the title is actually just plain old Joker. So, uh, yeah, just to clarify, Joker by Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo. Yeah, we actually... It was uh, inked by Mick Gray, colored by Patricia Movijo, lettered by Robert Clark, published back in 2008. Yeah, we actually... I think it came out around the time of the Heath Ledger movie, right? Or maybe like a little... It might have come a little... 
Uh, I don't even remember. It was, it was, it was yeah. approximately around. Because I remember there time, was a uh, yeah. controversy because uh, Heath Ledger's Joker looked a lot like, uh, ended up looking a lot like the Joker he, from his, uh, yeah, that Libra Mayho Yeah. Comic, yeah. So, I don't I don't remember which came first of the two, uh, but I do remember that they were close enough in time frame. Yeah. 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 This is a comic that we've actually discussed on you know, on a previous episode of our show because when we did uh, our episode on yeah. crime comic recommendations, I remember this was your choice. That was back in I yeah. think, episode twenty. Absolutely. This was. Uh... This was something that I that I picked because I a lot of the things that jumped out at me was uh, the things that jumped out at me for this comic was the way that Brian Azzarello portrayed the Joker as uh, a crime uh, a leader of a crime family essentially in the story, but there. There are a lot of classic yeah. Joker moments in it too, because large chunks of the story. So, just in terms of a quick recap, what happens in the story is the Joker gets out of Arkham Asylum, and this low-level thug uh, meets the Joker and decides to pal around with the Joker because he thinks that he can use the Joker to <laughs> elevate his status in the crime criminal community, <clears throat> but. Such a terrible idea. idea. So, <clears throat> as time goes on, uh, you know, he's drawn into the Joker's just madness because the Joker is going to do what the Joker's going to do, which is he just goes out and sows chaos, you know? Uh, he randomly kills indiscriminately just because. Um, yeah. Uh,. Like, I'm trying to think of some of the scenes that I remember. Uh, like, like, there are scenes where, you know, there's calculated violence, that's for sure. In the story, he he goes out and, um, you know, he talks to this gangster who... Uh, I forget exactly what he did, but I want to say he... He might have taken over some of Joker's territory or some of Joker's businesses while he was inside. And... So the Joker, you know, he, he makes it seem like he's there to have, like, a good conversation to try to cajole this guy into relinquishing his, uh, relinquishing onto Joker what, what is, what he deems is rightfully his. So, you know, they, they have this mm -hmm. brief talk and then you, the, the scene changes and the next thing you know, the dude's is skinned from the neck down. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> which is just like, wow, that, that escalated quick. <laughs> yeah. uh, Comedy comedy and violence. violence, man. But then there are other scenes where uh, the, the one scene that jumps out at me is at one point, uh, the Joker's uh, having, I forgot, do you, do you have the book in front of you? What what the driver's name was? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. Was it Johnny? Well, that or was that the main character? I don't. I don't remember. Um, so any, 
You're talking about the the guy that uh, picks the Joker up from Prison. from uh yeah, yeah. the beginning of the story, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he uh when he, when Joker gets released from Arkham Asylum, the guy that picks him up uh that's the yeah. character that we follow. His name is Johnny right. Frost. So so after, you know, following the Joker around um uh, you know for to to help him with his business whatever it may be. At one point the Joker just shows up in this random home where an old couple are living and he just like butchers them and uh Johnny Frost he's like disturbed by it and I I don't remember exactly how the scene like plays out but from what I remember you're reading his internal monologue and he's he's basically explaining the Joker didn't even know these people they they had nothing to do with anything he just did this just because he wanted to, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm flipping through my copy and I just came yeah. across that scene. And they walk into the home of this elderly couple, and they're the elderly couple. You know, it's it's at night. They're just in bed, going to yeah. bed, going to sleep. And then uh, you just see her, you just see the Joker walk in into the room. Like you see a shadow cross this elderly couple, and they're just like, yeah. what? Who's there? And then the next thing you know, uh, Johnny walks into the room and he's like, "Who are these people?" And the Joker says, "Yeah, who cares?" <laughs> and then the next panel after that is the Joker sleeping in a bed and it's all bloody and covered in yeah. their entrails and stuff. I mean, that's we mentioned earlier that you know the Joker is just chaos and uh, you know he he has his own logic and this this is an indicator of that. You know, like there's there there is no way to follow logically his train of thought. He is just such a disturbed individual that he's just gonna do what he's gonna do. Yeah. 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 This is a book. I think Batman isn't. He doesn't appear too much. But he's enough of a presence in the story. He's always like lurking in the at the edge of the frames or in the yeah. background, you know. Like you, you always get the sense that Batman is lurking, and he could he could drop down at any moment and just pop up in the story. Um, I don't think this is really a spoiler if I say it, but at, at a certain point, he does yeah. show up in the comic. But the way that uh, the way that Azarello and Bermejo use him use Batman in the story. It it's a really good way of framing who the Joker is uh to the reader, you know, like it, you you've just followed the Joker through all all these adventures and then and then when Batman shows up um it actually does give some insight into the Batman and Joker relationship. And I don't I don't want to spoil it by giving too many details. I'm just going to say that the fact that Batman is barely in this, when he does appear, it leaves an impact yeah. on the story. It's so. I was gonna say that the the title of the book is Joker, so it it's no surprise that the story is revolves around his point of view. For even though you there's another point of view character that you follow follow around, uh, so you're not. 
it's not like you're hearing you know the joker's internal monologue or anything like that but mm-hmm. the thing that's interesting to me is it really does feel like in most batman stories we're following batman around but this is kind of how criminals would view batman this is how it would look in you know quote unquote real life where the batman is meant to be such a mythical figure that strikes fear into the hearts of people that he almost doesn't seem human and and yeah. when you just he's he's, he's almost a yeah force of nature. and when you describe him as a actually actually that is that is one of the themes of this story i, I would say that the joker is a yeah. force of nature yeah that that's a good way to describe it right like uh, he is as chaotic and as destructive as any tornado yeah yeah like there is no rhyme or reason to him but yeah i mean just the fact that the the way that you describe batman as a presence is is hits it right on the money i think yeah it really works yeah it really works i'm, I'm holding my copy of it right now i have the the absolute edition and there's on the back cover, there's not a summary of the story or the contents inside, but there's a quote from the story. And I thought this quote also uh, does a good job of encapsulating the Joker. And the quote is, he will stand over your body with your blood on his hands. And I promise you, he will laugh. Not because your life means nothing to him, but because death for him is the punchline. Oh. So that's, that's a little peek into the psyche of the Joker yeah. right there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, this is good stuff, man. I, I think it's even going to get released, re-released as a deluxe edition hardcover uh, and later I this year. Think, I think they were going to add a couple more pages to it. I don't think they were going to add uh-huh. story pages or anything, but I think it's going to include uh, unpublished. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Lieber Mayo's art is excellent yeah. in this one. So there's in in our uh, in our Batman episode, we talked about his uh, Batman Deathblow art. Um, that it's the same creative team, uh, but I think with the, the years that have passed in between those books, his art is even better in Joker. Yeah, yeah. It's he he he's got a really cool like realistic style photorealistic yeah and his joker looks looks menacing and scary like if you saw a dude like that walking at you down the street (laughs) you cross the street in the opposite way man (laughs) all right what's next man next next story the next story that we have is a pretty interesting one it's uh it's from batman legends of the dark knight it's a four issue story called Going Sane by J.M. DeMatteis, someone that we've uh, talked about quite a bit on our podcast. But in addition to that, it is drawn by Stanton. Joe Stanton. Joe Stanton. I'm sorry about that. Stanton, Stanton. like the island. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's well, it's spelled differently, but I, right. I think that's how you pronounce it. It could be Staton. <laughs> Staton. Staton. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
So, um, okay, a brief synopsis of this story. Um, the story is about how the Joker and Batman have uh, one of their uh, run-ins with one another. And what ends up happening is over the course of the battle, the Joker ends up... He ends up basically killing Batman, or he at least he thinks he kills the Batman. But as a result of the that belief that he's killed Batman, all of a sudden his mind is just so affected by that reality that he, who is already crazy, is driven even crazier. And when someone who's crazy goes crazy, apparently he becomes sane. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, fast forward and what ends up happening is uh, you find that the Joker has established this new life for himself where he's got a girlfriend, he works in an office, and he's just like an upstanding citizen, you know? And he's just... Yeah, yeah, stable yeah, a total stable member of society. And it's, it's this story where... For, for whatever brief moment of time, it almost, yeah, it, 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 it feels like the Joker has finally gotten happiness. <laughs> like, I... I <laughs> yeah, because he... Yeah, I feel like gross saying it. <laughs> I feel like gross for saying it, but, I mean, that's that's essentially what happens is, um, you know, with, with the completion of his life's work, he decides that, he he's ready to be a happy individual. Well, I, I might even go so far as to say that he doesn't decide that. He his mind snaps and he becomes true. a normal you're, person. You're, you're right. He doesn't ha he doesn't make the uh, the conscious decision to do that. He his his brain just goes in that direction. Yeah. 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 Um. What I was gonna say about this comic is it's. I think the thing that makes it an evergreen Joker story is, and, and it does it in an interesting way, which is it it gives you what the Joker is about by essentially subtracting the things that make him the Joker, right? Yeah, yeah. so you have yeah. a story where um, the Joker is not behaving the way that the Joker typically does, and as a result... That contrast is so noticeable that you can't help as the reader but but to make that observation that, oh, the, these are the things that I recognize to be about the Joker, you know? It's, it's just kind of a, a loud... Um, it's loud. It's 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 uh, the the way that it's it's like definition by subtraction is the only way that I can describe it. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like when when people ask you to define love, it's hard to define what love is. So what you say is what yeah. love isn't, right? And hopefully they figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting thing about this story too. Um, this was Legends of the Dark Knight 
issues, uh, let me see, issues 65 through 68. So it's a four-part story published in 1995. And if you guys remember uh, one of our earlier episodes when we were doing our Marvel Top 25 countdown, which we will complete (laughs) soon, I promise you that, unless you die. Um, Wow. (laughs) One of our... Yeah, yeah. Gotta be honest. <laughs> Our promises don't transcend of, death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of our uh, one of the Marvel comics that was on the list was Craven's Last Hunt, which was written by J.M.D. Mateus. And if if you read the introduction essay for Craven's Last Hunt, you'll learn that uh, he always had a similar idea to do something like that with uh, Batman and the Joker. And when he was a younger writer, I guess for whatever reason, the editors never really uh, were endeared with his pitch. And that's how that story ended up becoming Craven's last hunt. But the comparison between the two works is kind of fun to think about because Craven's last hunt was about Craven, uh, he didn't literally kill Spider-Man, but he, he ended up taking yeah. Spider-Man out and buried him alive so he could become Spider-Man, essentially, and, and prove that he was a superior Spider-Man. Whereas with uh, Going Sane, the Joker, he thinks he kills Batman, and he doesn't necessarily try to, you know, he, does, he doesn't try to be a better Batman yeah. or whatever, but he ends up having the life of a normal man. And in in a way, it's kind of fascinating to think of because one thing about Batman is that he could never be a normal person. Like, there's nothing that Batman could ever do um, that would cause him to to live a normal life. You know, if if he killed, or well, he doesn't kill, but if all of his enemies died and somehow he was able to uh, eradicate all crime on Earth. I'm pretty sure he would still hang out in the Batcave and wear his he costume. He would still be Batmanning. <laughs> yeah, he, he would still be Batmanning. <laughs> there's, there's just something interesting about the, the that initial idea that J.M.D. Mateus came up with about what happens when the villain... Uh, yeah, it's the hero, and I, I think with with every story, it, it would be a different outcome, right? Like Craven, he wasn't uh, a maniac like the Joker, so he wouldn't yeah. go sane. But when you tell that story uh, with Craven, he wants to become the superior Spider-Man. You tell the story of the villain defeating the yeah. hero with the Joker, and he loses his mind. <laughs> you know, if you tell the story about Lex Luthor killing Superman, I'm sure that would have a totally yeah, different yeah. outcome as well. You know, Lex Luthor, what would he do? He'd probably dedicate his life to curing yeah. cancer or something. Like, I do feel like J.M. DeMatteis is one of those writers who has a lot of ideas, and they have similar themes, but... Um, you know, they don't always get made, and he, he constantly finds ways to repurpose those ideas in other stories. Um, there was this one comic that we uh, 
that we mentioned on another podcast. It was our superhero recommendation, which was The Life and Times of Savior 28, which mm-hmm. was by J.M.D. Mateus. And that comic yeah. was originally conceived as a Captain America story, from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Um, what do you what do you think would happen if the Red Skull ever thought he killed Captain America? Uh, I'm pretty sure he'd do a dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I was gonna mention, I was looking at this. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a theme, but it's it's an interesting story because it 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 focuses on. You mentioned earlier that if Batman ever, you know, if all of his uh, rogues gallery, if something should ever happen to them, like, it wouldn't stop him from being Batman. Like, he would come back the next day and he'd still continue to be Batman. And, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. even if the Joker was no longer being, was no longer the Joker. So, one of the themes of the story is, you know, Batman's compulsion to keep being batman because uh during the period where he's thought to be dead uh he he meets a woman and he he, uh you know he has a peaceful life in this time period and he ponders the possibility of what it could mean to uh to give up being batman to have this life with this woman uh who's who's you know nursed him back to health and but he decides that he can't do that, and you know, he made a promise as Bat to as Bruce Wayne to be to be Batman, and no matter what, he he's going to keep it. And the odd tragic mm-hmm. thing is, by coming back, uh, the Joker, the Joker's madness is reignited, and. You know, he. It, it's weird to think about it because it's like, on some level, when when you step back from this story, you'll tell yourself, well, if Batman had stayed, you know, dead, quote unquote dead, then Joker would have stayed Joseph Kerr, and yeah, he wouldn't go around killing so many people. <laughs> maybe just maybe that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> See, if Batman just dedicated his life to donating to charity and he stopped being Batman, he'd save so many more lives. <laughs> you wouldn't have Joker going around causing random acts of violence. You wouldn't have Bane going around breaking people's backs. Bane would Bane would be a chiropractor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you mentioned earlier that, you know, about the Joker movie and how, like, it makes uh, Joker a pitiable character. Uh, like, the way that this story ends, I, I'd say that there's there's something tragic to it as well. Because the theme of, like, yeah. this compulsion is, is, is sprinkled throughout the story. Because once Batman comes back, Joker has no choice but to go back to being Joker in spite of the fact that he's with this woman now who he has a happy life with. And, um, you know, 
he he comes back, he endangers her, and Batman has to stop him. And uh Yeah, like the the, the last couple of pages just show like how how there is something kind of tragic about that. Like, I don't know if... Yeah, like, I, I I don't know if I'm going to shill for the idea that he should be pitiable or pitied, but I, I will say that there is something tragic to, to the nature of their relationship and to, like... Yeah. They, essentially, they could both be happy if they really... <laughs> they both have the potential to be happy, right? <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, but yeah. at the end of the day, that ain't yeah. That ain't at the end of the day, their true natures are what they are. Yeah, exactly. You know, you you get if there's a force of order, there's gonna be a force of chaos. Ooh, Ooh. so it's just that's just how it be, man. That was that was uh, that's some powerful. That was a well put way to put that. Very dramatic. It was like, you know, Shatner himself could not have said it better. <laughs> I do think that there is, and there is something very tragic because of uh, the woman that he was, that the Joker was involved with. Though you kind of feel sorry yeah. for her and how she got unwittingly dragged into yeah. this mess. It's like I think J.M.D. Mateus is a very humane totally. kind of writer. Like the way that he writes is it, even if you know in your heart that the Joker is a yeah. bad person and that nothing can redeem him, like regardless of whether we actually pity him or not. And I, I don't even know if we should pity yeah. him in this story. I will say that it helps you understand him. It helps you understand uh, just this, like you as a reader, you get an emotional experience reading this. Like it, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to empathize with the Joker or that you feel some yeah. sort of way about him. But, but I think just as a person who enjoys stories and a person who can appreciate mm. art, you gotta appreciate how a story can make yeah. you feel something. Because at the end of the day, if if a story can tap into your emotions in, yeah. in some way. Um, you know that that's a remarkable thing you know we can't there's so many stories that we read and and it's just like okay i, I consumed the plot yeah on to the next one but this is a story that'll it'll make you think like it, it does make you feel a little bit unsettled because on some level you do want to pity the joker but you also know that the joker yeah. is a horrible individual <laughs> so it's like how, how do i you know, what these, do i make of these this? two and, opposing thoughts <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's 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 a fascinating story that that gives it that element gives it um, mm. depth. Totally, it's yeah, it's it's it is an evergreen story for the Joker that I would you know recommend you know anyone who wants to read a different kind of Joker story pick up because it's you know this this isn't just about him making exploding whoopee cushions or something of the like. Uh, <laughs> it's, it says something about the Joker at his core, at, at least how JMDM sees yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. 
I would definitely say that this is a great story to read if you just want if you care about understanding the core concepts of the characters. This is a fantastic story to read. If you're the kind of person that cares more about plot and continuity, it might there there might be some things in here that make you scratch your head like there's one of the elements of the story is that when Batman is uh out of action, I think he's gone for 6 months or something. But, you know, obviously in the 90s, there were like four or five different Batman <laughs> series going on. And it's not like, yeah, you know, <laughs> he, didn't, he never really he stopped being While he was missing. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you're the kind of reader that, that if that's the thing that's going to bother you, then yeah. I don't know what to tell you. But if, if you just want to read a really good story, going sane is something that you got to seek out. I don't know how easy, easily available it is um, if you want a physical copy. Uh, I know they did make a trade paperback a few years ago. I looked it up recently, and it turns out it's already out of print. Um, you can, you maybe you'll be able to find it at a store if they still yeah. have it in stock, or just look up the back issues. It's Legends of the Dark Knight issues 65 yeah. to 68. I found my copies in... You know, through various sales, uh, so that's not the easiest way to find it. <laughs> but yeah, the easiest way would probably just yeah, buy a digital if, version if it's on Comicsology. I can't say for sure that that's the case, but you know, uh, always worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise is. me. You want to move along to the next comic? Yeah, sure. So. The next one we have is another uh, prestige format uh, graphic novel. This one is from 2005, actually. It's Batman, The Man Who Laughs by Ed Brubaker, Doug Mankey, and mm. David Barron. This is a story that takes place pretty shortly after Batman Year One. So if you enjoy that era of Batman, the the early Year One era, this is a natural follow-up. Like, if you read Batman Year One and then jump straight to this, I think that's a pretty fun experience. This is the story about the first time that Batman encounters uh, Joker, the first time that Gotham City encounters Joker, and you have a young James Gordon. Uh, just like in Batman Year One, he's he's one of the main uh, protagonists, and uh, also you're, we're privy to his inner narration. He's not even commissioner at this point; he's still a captain. Uh, so the the story is, like I said, it, it's the first time that the Joker shows up. He goes on a killing spree. At this point in time, the police have no experience with these, you know, costume mm -hmm. lunatics or whatever. But if you've read Batman Year One, you know that Gordon is slowly developing a partnership with with Batman, and here you get to see that uh, grow and develop as they deal with something that neither of them has ever mm -hmm. seen before. It's just this, you, you know, Joker is he's doing stuff. Uh, killing people that and just getting unpredictable uh 
you get to see uh, not only the the battle between chaos and order, but there's also a, a battle between, I guess I would say, uh, rational deduction and and okay. randomness, or maybe logic and insanity. Because okay. a, a lot of this story is is about uh, Batman and Gordon using their detective skills, their crime sleuthing skills, tracking down clues and trying to figure out uh, the killer's motivation or, or, you know, his identity or where he is, where he's, what's he going to do next? You know, they're trying to figure out how they can stop the Joker. So you, it, it tracks, it, it really tracks well with uh, Batman year one, because it's got that gritty crime element, almost a Frank Miller-esque hard boiled sort of uh, mm. tone to it. And it's Ed Brubaker who's known for writing crime comics so you know he he's done done it really well. Uh, the artwork by Doug Mankey. He draws a really disturbing Joker too. <laughs> it's it's disturbing in a different way from Lieber Mayo's Joker or Brian Boland's Joker. Doug Mankey's Joker. He just there's just something about him where when you look at him compared to the other characters in the world, he just looks <laughs> gross. <laughs> and and and. He looks gross and also a little bit cartoony, which fits the character. Um, there's just something ridiculous mm. about him. Uh, yeah, I would I would say it's a great evergreen story for the Joker because it number one, it if you're if you think about it in chronological terms, it it's the first time we get to see the Joker uh, interact with with Batman, and it's also a really good Batman story in and of itself because you get to see Batman doing uh, sleuthing and detective, the, doing his detective thing, uh, building his relationship with James Gordon. Um, yeah, I gotta say, for if you're if you're into like a street level crime story, this this one is a good one to to, to read. Batman, the man nice. who laughs. Nice. Yeah, I I. I haven't read this one, so it's a little unfamiliar to me, but I do know, you know, Brubaker, I'm familiar with his work. Um, he's, he's a guy who, who cut his teeth on, on crime, and to this day still makes uh, a ton of uh, crime comics, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. as far as Doug Mankey goes, like, I'll love his artwork on a bunch of the various comics that he's done uh jla uh elite and um mm -hmm. some of his other comics escape me well i mean he did the regular jla too uh joe kelly's run so yeah you know i yeah he did a a run on stormwatch phd yeah. that was pretty fun yeah. super underrated he, comic he did one of my favorite superman stories uh action comic 775 so you know um yeah his, his artwork's like yeah. excellent it's i i yeah i like i like the way that he details everything um you know from his monsters to just his people like the only way i can describe it is is it's not very symmetrical like the proportions are a little weird sometimes but it's interesting to yeah. look at <laughs> Yeah, it, it's not necessarily yeah. realistic, always because uh, 
like the I don't know. I just I'm just like flipping through the comic and and looking at some of the proportions of some of the people that he draws, um, or even the Joker. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe somebody's face is sh- shaped like that. That's got to be a really <laughs> ugly person, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh okay. <laughs> uh so if anyone ever picks up this comic and you think it looks a little familiar to you, we're sorry in advance. <laughs> For a long time this comic was hard to find. I remember uh when it when it first came out, uh the store I went to didn't order many copies um and and when people were trying to reorder it, it it got pretty hard to find to the point where on ebay it was it was selling for like 100 Jeez. bucks or something like that yeah um but then they did reprint it they've they've made a hardcover and trade paperback and i i actually th- i think there's going to be a deluxe hardcover of this coming out oh, this cool. year i think yeah, it's going to include this story and another Brubaker-written uh, Batman story from uh, Detective Comics. If you remember that one story where Batman teams up with the uh, Golden Age Green Lantern, that's another uh, really I good story. I think I remember that story. one. Were they taking on, like, Sportsmaster? Uh, I think it, it might have been a descendant of okay. Sportsmaster, not the original. Okay. But... That was another uh, really good Batman story. So if when the, when that deluxe when the Batman the Man Who Laughs deluxe edition comes out, I would definitely recommend nice. seeking it Any out. Any idea when that uh, might hit shelves? I think sometime this year. I gotta check the solicitations. But then again, COVID. with uh, yeah. the pandemic, that could uh, affect shipping uh, yeah. dates. Um, I'm not exactly yeah, sure. Yeah, we're not privy to special information to how the comics industry decides what to publish, when to publish, but if they were wise, they'd tell us. Yeah. <laughs> if they know what's good for them. What's the next we one? We have now? Detective We're... Comics uh, number 826. It's uh, called Sleigh Ride. It's by Paul Dini, I believe. And I don't remember who the yeah. artist is. Written by Paul Dini, uh, penciled by yeah. Don Kramer, inked by yeah. Wayne Falker. Um, so, in brief, my recollection of what this one was about was. Uh, Basically, we start off with Robin in a taxi cab with the Joker, and Robin's, you know, all tied up, and the Joker's just driving around and just causing mayhem in the car, and it's just, yeah. it's, it's a one-shot, one-issue story about the two of them in the car, and, you know, the, the tension of how's Robin gonna get out of this, along with just the nonsensical bizarreness of the Joker. Um, from I, I, I'm trying to find the words to describe it, but this is an idea that... This is probably one of the more actually 
funny <laughs> comics on on this uh, yeah on this yeah. list because uh, it's really just about the Joker just again like he's he's causing all this destruction and mayhem in this car while the joke while Robin is all tied up in it but there's there's an absurdity to that entire concept you know <laughs> yeah yeah uh. yeah well, how it starts off is that actually Robin is on a he's he's crime busting on his own and um through circumstances like he he uh he's kind of outgunned and then Joker in this SUV drives up and Tim Tim Drake Robin he doesn't recognize the driver at the time but he just knows that he's under a hail of gunfire and then somebody drives up and says Robin Robin over here so he just jumps in and then he 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 gets into the car and he sees the Joker and the Joker's just like <laughs> and he sprays him with some knockout gas and that's when that's when all the stuff that you described happens and it's it's called yeah. sleigh ride sleigh spelled S L A Y so it's you know it's a silly pun because the story is supposed to take place right. around Christmas and the Joker is wearing uh, one of those yeah. Santa Claus hats yeah it's it's a it's a really good story that that uh builds a lot of tension because you get to hear uh tim drake's inner narration you hear he's Robin's nervous narration. <laughs> so he's, he's, yeah he's he's trying to figure out how yeah. he can get out of this he's he's taped up strapped into this car while the joker is just running people over um you know just killing people and robin is just racking his mind using every trick that he's learned yeah. to see if he can escape um and it's even to the point where the Joker uh, puts something in the in the seat so that Tim will find it and gain some false hope. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's he's totally yeah. just messing with him, man. And it's it's just a lot of tension building up because things aren't going very well, and you're just wondering how he's going to get out of this. So not only is this a quintessential Joker story, this is also a quintessential yeah. Tim Drake story. I was going to say, like we mentioned in another podcast or uh, when we started this series that, you know, there's two ways to look at Evergreen stories. And one is, uh, it's a story that says something about the character uh, and, you know, deconstructs the character to like their very essence. Um, and highlights all these characteristics so that you look at it and you're like, oh, this is at at their core what you know this character is about. But the other way to look at evergreen story that we look at evergreen stories of just you know good stories that you can consume and appreciate that stand on their own that you can think of mm -hmm. as you know the perfect Joker story when you're in the mood to read a Joker story. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, and this is an example of that. I think, um, you know, I don't think I, I don't, I, I suppose there's a way to deconstruct it and really kind of draw meaning out of it. But, uh, but I think it's, it's, it's just a, I guess fun is the word I'm looking for, um, but it's just a fun yeah. uh, story that builds tension. Uh, it's, it's kind of a thriller. It's a Joker thriller where... Yeah, it is yeah, absolutely it's a thriller. It's a story about Robin 
being trapped in this situation with a madman and uh, just how is he going to deal with it? So, yeah. Exactly. And the way that the Joker is portrayed in this story, it's 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 like what you uh, said earlier, man. It, it's a great mix of his uh, his menace and it's it's uh, I guess entertaining in the sense that there is some comedy here too. Like there's it's dark comedy oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. It's really dark comedy, but you can almost get the sense where the Joker. I guess it's a peek into his sense of humor. Like you get to see what he thinks is funny for real in this, in this comic, you know? And, and the, the other thing that it makes me think of, um, and we haven't really mentioned it at all so far is it definitely reminds me of, uh, the animated Mm. series, uh, Batman, the animated series and how Mark Hamill voiced the Joker. Cause a lot of the dialogue in this it's just it, it veers back and forth between uh, him being this kind of uh, fake, friendly, uh, you know, sarcastic, funny yeah. guy to Robin, and it's also and it goes over and swings oh, the pendulum swings over to him being very yeah. menacing, you know, like like there's genuine malice in yeah. his tone and in his eyes, and when when I read the dialogue. I can't help but hear uh, Mark Hamill's voice. It's, it's, it makes sense because Paul Dini did write this comic and he wrote a lot of the yeah. cartoons. Um, so he's he's a great yeah. Joker writer. And just for those of you, uh, if you guys are looking to catch this run, because Paul Dini did do a pretty decent run on it. I believe an omnibus is coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll collect all of his detective comic stuff, and he also did a series called Streets yeah. of Gotham. Yeah, it's gonna have yeah. all his Batman so, stuff. If you enjoyed the, you know, Batman the animated series, then you know it's it's more from that creative genius, the creative mind of Paul Dini. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This this issue in particular is definitely more violent than any episode <laughs> of the cartoon. Um. Actually, oh, you know what that just reminded me of? That reminds me of the the DC animated film version of The Killing Joke. Yeah. That also had yeah. Mark Hamill's voice. Well, Mark Hamill, uh, in a bunch of interviews, was uh, has often said that he also loves The Killing Joke. And was it the first comic <laughs> I don't he ever know about loved? that. But I do remember interviews where he, where he would like gush about the Killing Joke, and he talked about how he wanted that if he ever got the chance, he would jump at the opportunity to do the Joker's voice for the Killing Joke, and he got that chance in in the in the animated Killing Joke movie. Yeah, yeah, I really like that movie. I like to it be honest. too. To, to be honest, I actually like the animated movie even more than the comic. <laughs> Um, I probably like the comic more than, no, no, I like the comic more than the animated movie, and I'll, a, 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 a dirty little secret of mine is, like, when I watch the movie, uh, I fast forward, like, 30 minutes and start in the movie where the comic book starts, so that it feels like it's closer to the actual comic book. 
<laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it's a weird thing to do, but like, it's just, yeah, uh, yeah. Fair it enough. just feels truer to the to the actual source material for me. I think because the movie is is longer, they needed to pad it out yeah. a little bit more. So it makes sense that that uh, they added some more material to it. And the interesting thing is that Brian Azzarello yeah. wrote it. Yeah. He, he, he was the one who yeah. wrote that adaptation. Uh, all right. We're ready to move on to the next one? Yeah, this is uh, the final yeah, one for tonight. Yeah, it sure right? is. Uh, it's Gotham yep. Central. Uh, numbers Issues numbers 12 through 15. It's called Soft Targets. I believe this one is written by Ed Brubaker and drawn by... Oh, is Greg it Greg Rucka's? Okay, my bad. Okay, Both it's Ed Brubaker and Greg Rucka. Uh, pencils by Michael pencils Lark. Pencils by Michael Lark. And inks by Stefano Gaudiano. Yeah. This is... this is uh, I'd have to say it's probably my favorite Joker story. I like all the, I really like all the ones that we already talked about. But if I had to pick an absolute favorite, it would be this one. So Gotham Central is uh, one of my favorite DC comics ever. It's a straight up crime series, police yeah. procedural, written by <laughs> Brubaker and Rucka. Uh, they would alternate arcs and 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 then co-write an arc together and that was just kind of their cycle uh but the story itself doesn't really the series itself doesn't really focus on batman it's it's a focus on the police officers the detectives of the special crimes unit that deal with the costumed freaks that plague gotham so by the time you get to issue twelve, uh, if you if you start from the beginning, you get a good sense of what life is like to be a cop in Gotham City, specifically being a detective and having to deal with the costumed freaks. And up to this point, you've definitely we we definitely get to see uh, from the cops' perspective how threatening even the most uh innocuous seeming uh yeah yeah they're they're all pretty deadly you know like the ones that seem lame like somebody like uh yeah firebug or firefly you know put them out with a bunch of regular people something bad's gonna happen you know like the very first issue of the series um it's the most sinister and menacing and scariest uh mr freeze you'll ever find anywhere so by the time you get to this story here in issue 12 uh soft targets number one at the beginning of the story it's it's not even explicit or obvious that it's the joker it's not until later in the story that you learn that it's a joker story so hopefully that's not too big of a spoiler um i think if you just if you're just reading this on your own, like if you if you read the series on your own, straight from the beginning, and you don't really uh, know what's going to happen, I think it's a really great surprise. But if you know that the Joker is 
the menace in this story. Um, I don't think that'll really detract too much from it. The plot of Soft Targets is random sniper attacks during the Christmas holiday shopping season, which is a pretty frightening yeah. prospect. I mean, the very first scene of the story is the police commissioner in a meeting with the mayor of Gotham City. And the mayor is talking about how he wants to make some budget cuts because he's upset that cops keep using uh, overtime and it's just costing the city so much money. And he's, he's, it's very accusatory, you know? It, it's, it's just the thing about how he doesn't care uh, about crimes and, and what the cops are doing to try and solve these crimes. Because, you know, at, at anyone who pays attention to crime knows that the most crucial, uh, especially with murders, the most crucial time is like the period 10 to 12 hours after the crime. And after that, the trail really gets cold and it's it's extremely difficult to solve the case and, and find the perpetrator. So sometimes, uh, you know, if a cop is on that investigation, what's he going to do? Is he going to clock out so that an hour later, the next guy on the job can pick up the slack? It's not really yeah. how that works. And they're just having this uh, kind of an argument, really. And then the mayor just walks over to the window while he's condescending the commissioner and he gets <laughs> shot and killed by a sniper. <laughs> it's in... And the... Yeah, I was going to say, it's go interesting because I feel like that's... And, like, I'm not trying to disparage it or anything, but that's the kind of thing that you see in other, like, cop procedurals. Uh, the, the, the idea of, like, overtime as a point of contention mm -hmm. between the bureaucrats and, you know, actual police. Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So he's, he's the first victim, and then later on in the day, there are a couple of other victims. Um, just random people, man. Like random, a, yeah. random people. That, so it's just frightening, and, and the cops are trying to figure it out. They really... They really can't do anything about it. And they, when, whenever they find the sniper's perch, uh, they just find a, basically a laptop with a, with a crazy message on it that's just mocking them. And by the end of the first issue, um, they're so freaked out by the sniper that they end up turning on the bat signal on the roof of the precinct. And Batman comes and... Just in the nick of time, because the the cop and the uh, other girl that uh, lights the signal for them, they're about to get sniped, and then Batman saves them, and he tells them that it's the Joker. <laughs> that is a heck of a reveal. So, yeah. So the rest of the story is um, just about... After that, Batman pretty much leaves the leaves the scene for a bit. Like he's because he's you know it's a story not about Batman. It's a story about the Gotham yeah. Police Department, Gotham City Police Department, and the story is about all the detectives from both shifts, night shift and day shift. You know they everybody's coming together, pulling their their resources together to try and figure out where the sniper is going to strike next because he's he's leaving. He's setting up webcams throughout the city with countdown timers, you know, just mocking them, telling them that you guys can't stop me. I'm just going to 
kill somebody and you don't know who's going to be next. And the cops are at their wit's end. Um, the, the deputy mayor has now become the actual mayor because the mayor was killed at the beginning of the story. And now he's just concerned about his own political power and making sure that uh, the people aren't panicked because the news media is constantly reporting on this and everybody knows that there's a sniper on the loose. It's, it's snowing. It's almost Christmas Day. So there's just a lot of tension, man. This is a, a crazy pot boiler. And by the time the Joker actually shows up, this is this is probably the freakiest Joker, man. It, it, it's it's a it's a scary Joker because this out of all the stories that that we've talked about, this is the one I think is the most mm. realistic. It's even the artwork is very realistic, and and when you see the Joker finally make his appearance in the story on panel. I don't want to spoil the story. I don't want to. I don't want to tell people how it ends because this is truly so good that I want them to experience how it ends mm. uh, themselves. Um, I think it'll really help the impact of it. But it's it's just disturbing. It's unsettling. Like you, when you look at the Joker and, and when he appears, you just it just makes you wonder what is he, what does he have planned next? Like what's he gonna do next? He's already killed all these people with random sniper attacks he's he's called caused a bunch of panic during the holiday season yeah it, it just makes you worried for the people who live yeah. in gotham city and the cops i remember you telling me this uh, this story once uh and one of the things that stuck out about your description was always that for a character like the joker who's known for elaborate um crimes that you know are huge in terms of their spectacle and just require a lot of fanfare um the thing that's chilling about this joker is the idea that it's such a dramatic shift from what is typically expected of the joker so instead of like you know laughing clown thugs with um you know gas laughing gas bombs or you know exploding whoopee cushions or something he's just using or turning uh turning fish yeah into or joker, joker faces. fish faces with joker faces like these aren't yeah. silly uh pranks that he's committing uh he's doing some he's he's playing against his his, he's playing playing against type in in this scenario, and he's decided, I'm gonna do the some the one thing that is unexpected, which is I'm going to commit a crime, that is that could happen anywhere by anyone. You know. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. thinks it's funny. It's like they're gonna be looking all over Gotham for just anybody. And only I know that it's me who's who's doing this, you know? And I'm going to get to watch them mm -hmm. panic at the thought of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a very uh, chilling 
story because it is so realistic it it's so this is the kind of comic that or this is the kind of story that for me it, that's a horror st story in a way you know because because just imagine if something like this happened in real life i mean it has yeah. happened in real life like remember the dc sniper attacks uh yeah some years I ago do. like that that is that is freaky to me man and this is this probably actually i don't even remember what year those dc attacks were it might have been close to the same time that this comic came out which is a pretty chilling yeah thought hold up but the even the dialogue in this story um the joker's dialogue it he still walks that fine line that uh paul dini was able to accomplish where he's he comes across as very menacing, but he's also making jokes. Like, they're not... I don't think he really says anything that makes me laugh so hard I'm slapping my knee or anything. But it's it's coming from him, you know, that it's, it's, a, it's a joke and it's just chilling. There's something... Uh, if, you, if you were to put yourself in the shoes of the characters in the story, you would be chilled to the bone to hear him talk like the way mm. he does in here he's super smug just super super um yeah i guess smug is the word that comes to mind he's he's extremely smug and he's just taunting the police he's making a, a mockery yeah. of them and the, one of the, the heavy things about not only this story but the entire gotham central series is that crime takes a heavy toll on on the the, yeah. the normal people you know it, it it's almost like these cops are just getting caught in a war between the super people the forces <laughs> of chaos and order <laughs> they're caught between the forces of chaos and order man and there's even a scene um i had it earlier let me see if i can find it quickly um Batman is talking with the police commissioner and when th at the very end of their conversation the commissioner he's upset man like everybody's under yeah. a lot of stress and and Batman asks him like they're they're basically like solving the crime and and uh you know they they're trying to solve the crime and and then Batman asks him what's different now What's different in what's different now than what was different? Uh, what's different now than it was two hours ago? And the commissioner is like, "Why don't you just tell me what's different? You know, this isn't this isn't about anything but you and him anyway. We're just toy soldiers while you two play general with this city as your battlefield. And, you know that kind of sums yeah. it up. <laughs> it's like everybody else is just caught up in the crossfire." between Batman yeah. and Joker. Like, I, I do want to mention that one of the, the things that I appreciated about Gotham Central was that, um, you know, they're trying to portray real cops, and uh, I think the expectation is a lot of the times in these stories uh, that because of the assistance that Batman offers, you would think that the cops would just love them but but <laughs> yeah well okay a couple of things one like 
dur- this is during an era where Batman has been in trouble with the cops. Um, so uh, when Gotham Central starts, there's there's a break between uh, the the police as a whole and Batman. Uh, I think there's a break, right? Or uh, I, I might be remembering that wrong, but. Yeah, that that happens. Okay. This yeah. Era. So, uh, so that just adds to the tension that the the cops are have. But even before that, there are a lot of cops who who feel resentment towards Batman because you know they're not getting the credit yeah. that they feel that they're due because you know they're they're just regular people fighting guys with freeze grays and you know um jetpacks and exactly. stuff but you know batman gets exactly. all the credit even though they're the ones risking their lives you know and, yeah in fact they're not even just risking their lives they actually yeah. do die yeah yeah like when you if you read the entire series like not every character not every uh detective makes it out alive and and if you just read this story soft targets you'll find that there is a heavy cost to being a cop yeah. in Gotham City and and uh, not only do a bunch of uh, random citizens get killed but not every main not every uh, officer in the on the in the cast escapes uns- escapes unscathed either like there is a lot of uh, physical there's a physical toll on the people some of them get badly injured some of them end up dying it's it's very heavy man it's it's serious stuff and i I think the the seriousness of and the gravity of the situation it's it fits the joker in this story and makes him even scarier than he normally is because to him it's it's still yeah. a joke, you know? Like, you see, you you do see a lot of uh, violence in this story. You know, he's killing people, shooting people and whatnot. Heck, at one point, he beat somebody to death with a phone book. Obviously, it's funny. <laughs> see, violence is funny. <laughs> But it, the way that it's depicted, man, because Michael Lark is such a realistic artist, it's it's bone chilling. Like this is the scariest Joker story that I can think of, and and to me, it's it's my favorite yeah. Joker story. It's a it's a mix between like everything that encapsulates him. Like he, it, it's got the violence, it's got the comedy, it's got the chaos. Man, does yeah. it have chaos? And everything else around those elements builds the plot but his character is the driving force behind the story and that's what makes it yeah memorable and you mentioned you know michael lark's art is pretty realistic and um yeah like i i I do appreciate the fact that Typical, like, superhero or comic book art tends to be very flashy and 
uh, Michael Arc doesn't draw that way. So it's so when when you see him depicting chaos, it's uh it's yeah, it's harrowing and it's internal. You know, it doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. really look like the visuals are are. The visuals communicate everything that they need to communicate. It's not like you see a lot of explosions or lasers or anything like that. But uh, it doesn't feel like he glorifies yeah, the violence yeah, any more than yeah, it needs exactly, to be. exactly. So that like, I think that that's a nice touch. It's a really good touch. Yeah. Well, those are our picks for Evergreen Joker stories. Mm-hmm. What about the stuff that ain't on our list that people might expect? All right, more? so we're gonna. I, to, I'm gonna be uh, completely honest. Uh, a bunch of this stuff was stuff that we haven't really read. Uh, Maybe not even at all in some cases, but I think we know enough about it that we're confident in saying that they're not things that we would consider evergreen stories, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, the first thing that we have is Three Jokers. Uh, that's, that's an event that's current, actually, that's going on right now. It is written by Geoff Johns, and is Gary Frank drawing that? Uh, Oh, it's drawn by Jason Fabok. Um, So this is is a current story that uh, they teased apparently like two years ago, and it's a story about how Batman... uh, Man... I'm not. I'm not too enthusiastic about describing this, but I'll, I'll do it anyways. <laughs> so Batman uh, accesses a. Uh, he accesses a chair uh, uh, from. It's Metreon's chair from the New Gods, and it grants him a godlike level of knowledge, and. One of the things that he wants to find out is who is the Joker? What is the origin of the Joker? And the revelation that they make is the Joker has been three people. And they were originally supposed to tell this story in continuity, but I I don't know what happened. Um, But they ended up deciding to uh, release it as a as a mini series and they were vague about whether it would be in continuity or not. And, um, yeah. So it's about Batman and the bat family tracking down the three jokers that have existed. And, uh, I just learned this today, (laughs) but the three jokers that have existed have taken on, uh, different components of the, joker personae uh or they they focus on different aspects of the joker personae which is the clown the comedian and the criminal which i think two of those personally are a cheat 
because clown and comedian, <laughs> I, I don't get how those two are different. Like, I know... Clowns are sad. <laughs> I know literally how they're different, but for... If you're going to use that as a tool to highlight, uh, you know, elements of the Joker's personality, I don't know how those two are different enough that they're different elements of his personality. Like, I, I don't buy it, personally, but... That's because you're not grasping all the subtleties of the insanity spectrum. That's true. Like, perhaps if he gave each of each of the Jokers a different color to represent, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> what what aspect of Joker they represent. So if red, if the red Joker is the clown Joker and the blue Joker is the criminal Joker and the green Joker is the uh, comedian Joker. Then, like, duh, I get it. <laughs> but they didn't do that. I don't know. Like, I, uh, I don't think that those things are the things that personally define what the Joker are to me. Uh, at, at least not in the way that they've executed the uh, presentation of those things. Like. We, we mentioned that comedy has to be a part of it. And yeah, they mentioned the clown and the comedian, which aren't different, but whatever. But <laughs> yeah, but I'm hard-pressed to, to think that the idea of... Look, I just think the idea that there are three Jokers is stupid, but <laughs> that's what it boils yeah. down to. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I'm not too interested in the premise. Yeah. I don't. It's not something I would go out and buy. If I found it in quarter bin, sure, okay. Because I think it's a black label book. It's so expensive. It's those, you know, yeah. big, thick. Yeah. So I, I doubt I'll ever find it in a quarter bin. Would I borrow it from the library? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, man. I... I think I'm content with just hearing people talk about it. Yeah, I think a Wikipedia summary is enough for me to know whether I like it or not. Heck, man. What I do know already is puts me in a position not to like it, so... <laughs> yeah, what I do know about it makes me not want to read it. Um, but, I don't know, do you think there's a chance we could be wrong? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's always a chance. Uh, so, uh, see, that there, we're humble. We'll entertain the idea that the, it could be yeah. Geoff Johns' renaissance. It could be him coming back. So... <laughs> <laughs> Just dead silence to that. I didn't follow that. I, was, uh, I couldn't think of a response. <laughs> I was, I was trying to think if I could if I could actually even believe that. We were left speechless. I was speechless after that. <laughs> Alright. Uh, moving on, another story. I don't know if this one is actually considered evergreen by anyone, but... You know what? Uh, there, there's all types in the fandom, so... I'm sure... I'm sure that somebody somewhere likes this, but Joker War. 
Um, I don't even know what it's about. I looked it up yeah. before we we uh, decided to talk about uh, before we started the podcast, and apparently it's a story by James Tinian the fourth, the fifth, the Flaxen Waxen Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, X Wing at Aliciousness. And. <laughs> Donkey Teeth. And um, it's a. The Carpetron. <laughs> Duke Marriott. I like how that was sensual. <laughs> <laughs> but it's apparently a war that's supposed to be the final. Battle between Joker and the Batman. So this came out before Three Jokers, I think. So did the, did the story complete, or is it still? I have going no on idea. It's I I know even less about this than I do about Three Jokers, and yeah, that that I feel like that should speak for itself. <laughs> Yeah, I can't say I have any interest in yeah. reading it. I don't know why it's called yeah. Joker War, but I don't think I'm invested enough to investigate yeah. why. Uh, okay, so this... It's a crossover, so that's that's another mark yeah. against it. I I don't know. It's And that title is pretty lame. Um, we've, we've, we've lived in an era where everyone has had a war, so. There was a dark yeah. side war, there was yeah. a Robin war. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there have been like seven, seven World, World War, III's. War III's. We've had a war of realms, <laughs> but this is good. <laughs> that was Marvel though. Yeah, that was, that was actually good. Um. Uh, but there are a lot of wars. Uh, there's a Doomsday War. Oh, yeah, there's a... Do- uh, oh, man. Was there a Bane War? It wouldn't surprise me if there was a Bane War. Uh, yeah, but... Can't think of anything else. Um, yeah, it's just not something that... On the face of it... Uh, has done much to attract me. So I I can't I can't say that it's a evergreen Joker story. You you got anything? Yeah. I, I'm with you, man. I can't I can't say that's a. I mean, number one, I haven't read it, but I just based on what yeah. we do know of it, I highly doubt that that's gonna be the very last Joker, yeah, Batman, War, whatever you call it. Like I. I, I think it's fair to say that I'm even less interested to read Joker War than I am to read Three Jokers. I'll, I, yeah, I might even read here. Three Jokers just out of curiosity. But yeah, I have yeah. no curiosity about Joker War. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same here. I, I don't have any curiosity about it either. And, and uh, yeah, like I was saying, it, it's a crossover... Um, I don't know all the creative teams on it, but I think James Tinian, the fourth, backslash the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. <laughs> yeah, I've just never been into his comics, so 
Yeah, I'm sorry to say that's just not really yeah. a draw for me. Uh, moving. What do you think about uh, Death of so the Family? So this is something. One of the stories from Snyder and Capullo. This is something that I think would actually be considered uh, evergreen stories by people, by comic fans. So yeah, uh, I have read it, and I would say that it's a. Uh, it's something that I'm going to have to have a hard pass on. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is written by Scott Snyder and Greg Capula, as you mentioned. And uh, I think we've made comments in the past that should be relatively... That should indicate what our feelings towards Scott Snyder are. Um one of the, so, yeah. I don't, it's been a while since I read it, but do you remember what this was about, uh, Drew? I, I, I read it years ago too, man, and I think because I, I didn't really care yeah. for it back then, like, not much of it yeah. has stuck with me. Um, there, I mean, I know the title was supposed to mean something because it was the idea of the Joker trying to destroy the Batman, yeah, right? Yeah, so I think one of the big elements that I do remember was uh, I think he ends up kidnapping all of Batman's uh, allies. So he gets, like, the Red Hood, and he gets Nightwing, gets Robin and uh, Batgirl. And, you know, he... It's it's one of those stories where he's where the Joker is a mastermind and he um, you know ties them all up at at and has them uh, there at a dinner table so that he can give some sort of grand speech that makes a statement on like a James kind Bond of like a James Bond villain and it's meant to uh, I remember I do remember. Uh, listening to a podcast where Scott Snyder was talking about it and he wanted to he wanted to show from what I remember what he said about it was he wanted this to be a story that showed that Batman and the Joker need each other and something to the effect of you know at the end of the day, you don't have a family because we're we're all that each other needs, or something silly like that. Um, yeah, yeah. It was Scott Snyder, kind of. He he was being a little pretentious. Was what what I remember of it. <laughs> um. The other thing, the the other thing that I do remember walking away from. Uh, Death of the Family uh, was one of the concepts that he introduced was that the Joker was a timeless evil. Do does that sound familiar to you at all? Uh, to be honest, <laughs> not really. I don't remember yeah. that. <laughs> I did. I don't think I read that deeply into uh, that comic. Yeah. So I remember. I remember. I so I've been. I've watched uh, 
some YouTube videos since then, and one of the interpretations of why the Joker doesn't have... Uh... So, according to Scott Snyder, one of the reasons that the Joker doesn't have a concrete origin is because he is a timeless uh, entity of chaos, I guess, is how you could describe it. You know? Okay. So, okay. uh... Does he mean that literally? Well, that's the thing. That's that's the thing. Like, I remember when I read the Scott Snyder comic, I took it to be figurative, but there are some uh, mm-hmm. individuals who, who took it literally. So, I, I, I don't even know. Um... And like with with the whole three jokers thing that they're doing now, uh, like that that just feeds even more into the idea that Scott Snyder put out there that hey, the Joker's always been an idea more than a, he's been an actual person, which I don't I don't buy. Mm-hmm. Like, I yeah, I think that's stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't see anything wrong with the Joker being one dude, one just really crappy dude, and uh, and I don't necessarily need to know his origin. You know, he. Yeah, do you have thoughts on that, Drew? Yeah, I'm not too interested in Joker origin stories. Uh... Like with the Killing Joke, I think it was a, it was okay because he was an unreliable narrator and there was some ambiguity to it, and that makes sense. Like I, I, I do think that I I do look at the Joker as a force of chaos in a figurative sense. Like I don't think he was literally born from <laughs> the Lord of Chaos or something. You know, like he's he's not. Otherwise, why isn't he fighting Dr. Yeah, Fate? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> why is he just taking on a, taking on a man in a bat costume? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the yeah, the idea of the Joker having an origin, it, it's not I just don't think it's something that I really need or care for. It it's just he's he is who he is. He's he's fully formed. And I'm fine with that, you know, like we, any, any Joker story that, that tries so hard to explain who he is, how he came to be, it's, it's not it really need to be anything that, way. that I have any desire for. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't need yeah. to be that way. The one thing I do remember from Death of the Family is, uh, I think they were in the Batcave. Like Joker had everybody tied up in the bat yeah. cave or something. And um I think they were having a dinner or something and Alfred might have been brainwashed, so you know, <laughs> one of my least favorite tropes. <laughs> and then I, I I can't remember the specific details, but but uh I think it was just another one of those impossible situations where where they were all booby trapped or something and and Batman like if Batman would try to do something, everybody would blow yeah. up or or die somehow. But some through some way 
uh, it's like the Scott Snyder thing, you know, that he he seems to do more often than I would like is where when he when he puts the hero in a super deep hole and and essentially writes himself into a corner, he has to come up with some ridiculous method uh, in the story to 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 save the hero, you know? Yeah. And I, I can't remember how Batman got out of that one, but I th- I think that was another one of those scenes that just made me scratch my head because it's almost like Snyder likes to write a scene where the hero is in super dire straits, but he doesn't really give the hero a plausible way to escape. So when he does have the hero triumph over it, whatever scenario that he's concocted, it just seems extremely convenient or yeah. a little bit lazy. And when, when he, it's a, it's a tool, it's a trick that he uses a little too often. That that's what makes it hard for me to, to swallow and I, I don't think like that one thing is the only reason why I don't care for death yeah. of the family. Um, if I think if I reread it, I could probably have more yeah. things to say. Uh, but just based on what I remember from reading it, it, it definitely didn't stand out to me as as a good story. Let alone an evergreen um, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not a Greg Capullo yeah. fan either. Um, don't get me wrong. I think his art's better than it looked when he yeah. was driving Spawn. But his art, in and of itself, isn't enough to make me want to pick up a comic. It's just not really uh, tuned to my yeah. sensibilities. So I looked up. Uh, uh, I looked up Scott Snyder on Polygon, and I found this article that he wrote. And I think this has. Oh well, not I. Not that he wrote, but uh, it was an interview with him on when when Death of oh, the Family okay. came out, and he has some things here that um, I think he he says more clearly what I was trying to articulate earlier. Okay, so um, there's this one paragraph here where he describes like what his idea for it was. The Joker in in that story comes to Batman and says. I know that deep down you don't really love this family that you've created and instead you wish you could go back and be young again. It'd be me and you. And that all this, and that all this baggage, it's making you mortal. You're bigger than that. The way I am. Together, we're more. We're legends. So let me do what you want me to do and kill all of them and, pro- and fight them proof why you love me and you better than you love you and them why you love me and you better than you why you love me and you oh why you love me and you better than you love you and them oh. god that was laborious <laughs> um uh, yeah yeah um That's just something where I struggle to grasp what he's trying to say with yeah. characters. It, I mean, even if I just took him at face value, um, it's almost like, what's the point of that? Like, is it? Is there something about what he said that makes... Uh, yeah, I, I guess I just don't comprehend the the depths of what he's trying to 
uh, I think he's like it, it. It clearly sounds like he's trying to present some kind of message yeah. in his story, but it feels a little bit hollow because I don't know if that message means anything to anything to anyone besides yeah. Batman. <laughs> you know, like what does that does that actually have something to say to? Like a universal human experience. Like as yeah. a reader, um, you know, if, if I'm if I'm not super invested emotionally and intellectually into Batman, like what does that actually mean? So, the way that I'm like I'm reading some more of this article right here, and the way that I think he's presenting it is, it's one of those stories where. The Joker is, I guess he's tempting Batman with, with this, or or he's trying to give Batman this uh, insight into his personality that's supposed to damage Batman so much that it it you know ruins him at least for a time, and the rebel. So it's like, is it a? You think it's a variation or a retread of the one bad day theme from? I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a variation of the one bad day. I think essentially his revelation to Batman is, um, you know, you you say that you want to stop me, but really you love this, like this this cyclical uh, back and forth between me and you. Like, wh- okay, I mean, he just said it right there uh, or in that in that paragraph of. Deep down, you don't really love this family, and that you've cre- that you've created, and instead you wish you could go back and be young again. It'd be me and you, and that all this baggage—it's making you mortal. You're bigger than that. The way I am, together we're more. We're legends. So let me do what you want me to do and kill all of them. So he's essentially tempting um, Batman with with the with the narrative of this epic rivalry between the two of them and he's saying you know you don't really hate me you love that we're that we have this uh rivalry with each other like yeah you secretly love this rivalry between me and you and all these uh, all this human connection that you have the the things that all this time you've been telling yourself is uh, is the thing that gives you reason to keep fighting. Like, those are things that are actually holding you back. So, you know, your surrogate children, your surrogate father, like, they, they don't allow you to be the true Batman that you want to be is essentially what I think he's trying to say. You know? Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you put it that way, that is that is pretty heavy-handed. Yeah. I think I'd enjoy it a little bit more if you just read his dialogue in your 1920s gangster voice. <laughs> Endgame to me is pure joker, she! Those are the things that I've said in my darkest moments. The things that he voices to Bruce about. You're afraid that this is what your life runs to, right? Eh? Yeah, see? You'll never get me, copper! It's steel shoes for you! Cement shoes! Talking pictures, see? 
<laughs> see, see that that's so much better than how it was originally. Jeez. Yeah, man. So I, I, I can't get past that initial conceit of uh, death of the family, and that in and of itself has already ruined it for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that, man. There's there's another uh, prominent Batman Joker story recently that I think uh, a lot of people do like, and for us, this is officially not. <laughs> it <better-tastic>. is not. <laughs> it is not an evergreen Joker story by our standards, but Batman White Knight by Sean yeah. Murphy. So this, for those of you who haven't read it, this is a comic about Batman being, I guess the Joker is the hero in this story. He, something happens to the Joker. Um, If I remember correctly, he and Batman fight early on in the story and Batman, uh, I think he ends up injecting him or force feeding him a bunch of uh, drugs and he gets caught on camera doing so. But somehow, for whatever reason, these drugs have the effect of restoring the Joker's sanity. So in in that way, it's kind of similar to going sane because the Joker becomes sane, except... Uh, in White Knight, he's, he still maintains his memory um, of who he was, and he still wants to be true to who he was as the Joker, meaning that it's his job to... He, he sees it as his job to take down Batman. So the Joker is actually the titular White Knight of the story because Batman, having been caught on camera uh, brutalizing the Joker... Now that the Joker has his mind back, you know, he, he's like trying to do things by the book and and take Batman a court or whatever. You know, it, it's it's a ridiculous notion, but he's he's like just crusading as a as a private citizen crusading to. I guess destroy Batman's reputation because the public is suddenly turning against Batman because they don't want someone who's brutal on mass murderers, I guess. Mm. It's another story that I think uh, romanticizes the concept of the Joker. In a way, it's a little bit comparable to that Joker movie that came out last year because the Joker, he's kind of a stand-in for the common man. He, he sort of speaks for as the voice in representing... Um, yeah, the common man, the the average Joe who is typically powerless against something like Batman. And he becomes this, in the story, White Knight, he becomes the White Knight of the citizens because everybody suddenly looks up to him. So I guess they forgot all the horrible crimes that he committed as the Joker, you know? Like, Murdering you know, scores the, uh, people you know, doesn't oh, matter. Exactly, exactly. You know, once he once he got rid of that pasty skin and and green hair and started dressing up like a normal person, everybody respected yeah, him. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's not a leap in logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's that's just a little far fetched to me. I mean, I get that they live in a world with spacemen and ray guns and stuff, but even even that, at least to me, isn't as implausible as people suddenly forgiving the Joker of his myriad yeah. crimes. This isn't jaywalking or something. He he killed yeah, exactly. <laughs> he killed exactly. Lots he killed lots of, of people, people and he will kill more. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I it's not a comic that I could recommend. I wouldn't recommend it. I I I know it's successful because they're doing sequels as well as spin-offs. And I I think it is I think it did sell well, but it, it's not something that I would yeah. recommend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a Batman that I haven't read. I remember when I first heard about it, I was like, "Oh, Sean Murphy, that's awesome. He's a good artist." But uh, I'm a little less convinced after hearing what I've heard from you um, that this could be a good Batman story. I, I do have it on reserve at the library. So, you know, us being the comics uh, architects, elitist. <laughs> elitist that we are, uh, I, I have to imbibe in it at the very least uh just so that i can know what it is that i'm rejecting <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly man dude we, we take our stuff serious we uh we gotta yeah. educate ourselves yeah to a certain degree i still won't read joker yeah. war yeah i don't I'm hard pressed <laughs> to believe that Joker War has anything significant to say about the Joker, so I don't think I'm missing much by not reading it. <laughs> Look, if if in five years from now, if people are t- still talking about Joker War and what a grand statement it made about Joker and Batman and what a lasting work of art it was, five years from now, if people are talking about that, talking about it like that and heaping acclaim on it, <laughs> Maybe I'll read it, but if that doesn't happen, pretty low if chance. If that doesn't of me happen, it. I'll feel vindicated. <laughs> if people yeah. have forgotten about it by then, but I still remember it, if only because I ridicule it, then uh, <laughs> then there's value in my vindication. <laughs> it gave me that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Any any other Joker stories that you want to mention before we check uh, out again? Well, okay. I they're not real Joker stories, but there are two Joker moments uh, that I I do disparage. Um, so I I will mention them. Uh, one is from, uh, I think it was the end of Infinite Crisis. Oh, yeah. Joker... I think I know what you're about to talk yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> so 
It was it was a comic where um, there was a lot going on in that, but one of the one of the stories or one of the uh, events of the stories was how uh, Lex Luthor had united all the supervillains to work against the superheroes, and in this like massive like gang basically. And at the end of it, it turns out that that version of Lex Luthor was actually Alexander Luthor from some other dimension or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, over the course of the story, it's revealed that when he was putting his gang together, he made a conscious effort to exclude the Joker, to which the Joker mm-hmm. took umbrage and... At the very end of the series, mm-hmm. or, or of that uh, series, uh, so the the villains have lost, and Alexander Luther is slinking away, and it seems like he's gonna, you know, live on to fight another day, and you know he's gonna swear vengeance against the superheroes, but then uh, I forget exactly what happens, but I think the Joker like hits him with an acid flower or something like that. And, you know, he's, he's, he's all disfigured and like in pain. And then, you know, the Joker's standing there and he just, he says something to the effect of you made one mistake. Everyone always in, uh, you like whenever you go out to play, you always have to invite the Joker or something like that. And then, you know, it pulls out and, the Joker does some unspeakable thing to Alexander Luther because you hear him screaming and that's the end of that scene. Um, what unspeakable act do you think he performed on Alexander Luther? I, I don't know. He, <laughs> I know so I, I'm just trying to concoct like the silliest thing that I can think of, but I got like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He yeah. tickled him to death. He he murdered him uh, through with you know, with rampaging bulls. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, I I don't know. Like all these years later, I don't think that that scene still sticks out in anybody's mind. But you know, it sticks out in your mind because you really yeah, feel it. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, the other thing that I was going to mention, which is much more recent, was in Death Metal, when they had the Batman Who Laughs. I'm pretty sure a lot of people like this scene, but there was a yeah. moment at the end of it where Batman is taking on the Batman Who Laughs, which is uh, an alternate, a dark alternate universe version of Batman who's mixed with the Joker. And... You know, he's kind of a breakout character in DC Comics, so they've been putting him in everything. But, so, in in uh, Dark Knight's Metal, what ends up happening is, you know, there's got to be a showdown at the end between Batman and the Batman who laughs. You know, and they're fighting, and then all of a sudden it's revealed that Batman has been secretly working with the Joker to take this guy on. So you have this moment where Batman and the Joker go back to back and they're fighting the Batman who laughs together. 
because you know he's a threat that's far greater than who's so so much greater that it forces these two mortal enemies to work together. They got to team, team up. up. That's pretty lame. <laughs> that's corny. <laughs> pretty silly even though the whole premise of that crossover or that that the whole premise of metal is pretty silly yeah. to begin with well it's a it's a silly cherry on top of a silly sunday <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but i do you remember that i was gonna say oh, go i ahead. could i could imagine that there's people out there who definitely think of that as an iconic joker moment yeah. What yeah. were you going to ask? I can see that. I was going to ask you if you remember the era when uh, when Joker cut off his own face and wore yeah. it as a mask. That was... I, I want to say that was... That was that was the Snyder yeah. and Capullo I want to say right? that might have been right before or right after Death of the Family. I think it's after. I think it's after Death yeah. of the Family or towards the end. It might have been... I, I never understood that. I feel like they were just trying to amp. Yeah, they were be just edgy. trying to be edgy, and I was unimpressed. I'm unmoved by that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's not something that sets yeah. me up at all. I don't know. Did people like that? I don't know. I mean, I remember. Didn't they, they make made a, a like a box set that came out with a mask yeah, that you could so wear? Like the Joker yeah, so space there's mask. even like the even the hardcover that they came out with had a cutout paper cutout mask of the Joker's face that you could yeah. cut out and tie a string through and wear over your face. Yeah, so ridiculous. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. Oh yeah, I was also gonna mention, uh, and this is this is on the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's talk about some some good stuff before we uh, yeah end the show. But uh, in Grant Morrison's run, he did do some stuff with the Joker. Like the Joker came up uh, quite a quite a few times during the course of his run, and for me, I think one of the most memorable was that one issue. I forget. I th- I think it might have been. It was pretty early on his run, like. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it was, it was the story that wasn't really a comic. It was a like an illustrated yeah. novella. He basically just wrote a short story in prose, and John Bolton drew spot illustrations. And I remember when that, that was a that was a Joker story. I think it was called "The Clown Laughs at Midnight," but I remember when that came out, people were pissed because it had too many <laughs> words. I I really like that. <laughs> That was that was good, man. <laughs> people, people. I remember people on the internet were like, "This isn't even a comic. What? You, how did he do if this? If you gonna write a doing? book, write a what book. Does he think he is? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <clears throat> I should probably go dig that, dig out my copy and and uh, give it another read because it's been a while. But yeah, that that was another Joker story that that stood out and and. Uh, yeah, Grant Morrison's run is just a great yeah. Batman in general. I, so. uh, I'm waiting for you to get the final omnibuses so that I can check them all out. I I, I never read yeah. all of it in its entirety. I read like bits and pieces here and there. But... 
Yeah, I never read the the last few issues of it, so so uh, I'm gonna read the whole thing all at once at some sick. point. Very sick. Well, any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, my butt hurts. I kind of have to yeah. use the bathroom. <laughs> Those are our final <laughs> thoughts. I'm going to put that on my yeah. headstone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope you uh, enjoy some good comics wherever you are and this is between the gutters signing off peace out everybody peace out. <laughs>